two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's Friday, August 10th, and this is my NFL predictions and preview podcast. I am so excited. I'm also really embarrassed. I want to first start with this message. If you are a loyal listener of this podcast, I'm extremely embarrassed, and I I want to apologize to you. This episode of the podcast has taken far longer than it should have. I've learned a lot from this experience, and I just want to apologize to you guys. There are a lot of factors for why I didn't make a video for the last two weeks. Um, I mean, first, I took a planned vacation. Second, I've had my summer job. I've had to finish up as a mechanic. And then I had a lot of crappy personal stuff, and I just want to really sincerely apologize. That's not me, and I, 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 I just... I'm sorry. I, I feel bad that I haven't made a video in two weeks, and I'm back, and I'm doing the best I can. And uh, when I go back to college on August 20th, we'll be back to Monday, Wednesday, Friday, regular, every, you know, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, doing a podcast. I uh, have never prepared harder for a podcast in my entire life. In fact, I think I over-prepared for this podcast. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm very certain I did. I've, this is the second time I've recorded my predictions podcast. I did it before. It was about four hours long. It was just too much. It was too in-depth. I thought it was, I got bored talking about it. And so I, I thought it was too in-depth and there was no benefit to it. It was just, I was rambling about linemen and I, I just, I don't need to name every lineman for every NFL team. It doesn't matter. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make some bold statements and make bold predictions. I'm going to tell you why I think every team's record is going to be what it is. For example, I'm going to say the Jaguars' record is 8-8. Eight and eight, And you might hate that. You might strongly disagree with me. I don't need to go too much in depth. I'll tell you why I think their record will be 8-8. Eight and eight. And you can, I hope you feel free to disagree. You can push back on me. I, I love doing that. I love when you guys give me feedback. I can do follow-up videos from this podcast. I'm excited for that. So again, feel free to disagree. I'm not here for you to agree with me. I'm here to say what I believe and maybe make you think about some things. Um, The last thing I want to say is this, before I start, there are 256 possible wins in the NFL, 256. And sometimes I look at NFL previews and they have like, they'll be like, this guy says, these 15 teams are all going to go 13 and three. And I pause and I go, I hope you realize that's not mathematically possible. And so I, I mean, maybe it is, but then every time a team wins a game, Another team loses a game, and you have to track that. So I went through the entire NFL schedule, 256 wins, around six times. It was ridiculous. I I went through all of these papers. If you're watching on YouTube, all of these papers, this is just one round. I did this six six times. It was ridiculous. It took forever. Um, And I really wanted to be prepared. I I just... Um, I learned a new process for this podcast about how to do a, a giant NFL prediction show. It'll be better next year, uh, but I'm, I'm glad I learned the lesson now rather than next year or two years from now. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. I think I've pretty carefully, I, I've predicted, I think, every team within two wins. I've very meticulously poured through the entire NFL schedule. I'm so excited for that. So all that being said, just know I'm not here for you to agree with me. I'm here to say what I believe. I want to start with the New Orleans Saints. I believe the New Orleans Saints are going to go 13-3. and This is my Super Bowl favorite. And it's really funny. When I initially thought I was going to do a, an NFL prediction show, I wrote out kind of my, my initial gut feeling. And my initial gut feeling about the NFC South was the Atlanta Falcons were going to win the division. I, I really did. And then I looked at the Saints' schedule, and I went, oh my goodness. The football gods have smiled on the New Orleans Saints this year. They have, not only do they have an incredible schedule, they have a great roster, but I want to talk about their schedule first. The New Orleans Saints play 11 of their 16 games indoors. That is a massive, massive advantage if you are the New Orleans Saints. 
the way their team is built is to play inside. What you don't want to do, if you're the New Orleans Saints, the last thing you want is to be playing a playoff game in Green Bay, Wisconsin in January. That is not what you want. So the benefit of the Saints schedule this year is they play 11 of their 16 games indoors. And even their their road games are like, they play in Tampa Bay in December. They play early in the year. And they play one cold weather game all year in Cincinnati. And Cincinnati's not very good. They're going to have a great year. I'm really excited. If I'm a Saints fan, I'm really, really pumped for my season. Um, They do all their tough games are indoors. They play the Steelers at home. They play the Eagles at home in their comfy dome. They play at at the Vikings, which is again indoors. They play at the Cowboys, which is indoors. And this this team for the New Orleans Saints, this team this season, reminds me a lot of the 2009 New Orleans Saints that won the Super Bowl because they had home field advantage in the playoffs and they had a really good defense. The Saints have a chance to have home field advantage this year. They also have a really good defense. Drew Brees is no concern to me. There, he's He might be aging, but I think mentally he's locked in. That's what's more important this year in the NFL. The rules have changed a little bit. They've shifted towards offense. Drew Brees is going to dominate. Um, and they also have two running backs. They have Alvin Kamara, who is their kind of speed receiving running back. But the more interesting one to me is Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram is a Saints traditional running back. And Mark Ingram has had, he was given a four-game suspension at the beginning of the year. And I've heard a lot of uh, narratives about this. Some people are concerned. Personally, I, I'm actually, not only am I not concerned, I think Mark Ingram's suspension is a blessing in disguise. Here's why. The first three of the first four games for the New Orleans Saints are against the Browns, the Buccaneers, and the Giants. I think all three of those games are wins. I think the going into week five, the Saints will be three and one. And going into week five, you get now a fresh running back who hasn't been banged up at all. He's rested, ready to go. And if you're going to make a long playoff run, you want your running back to have as much gas in the tank as possible. I honestly think missing the first four games will hurt. Mark Ingram's stats maybe for the season, but long-term, if you're trying to make a Super Bowl run, having a rested running back week five is a huge, massive advantage. Another weird thing to follow if you're a Saints fan is Marcus Davenport. Marcus Davenport was their first-round pick. They traded two first-round picks to go get Marcus Davenport, a defensive end. He might not even start this year. So I am concerned. I don't really understand what the Saints were thinking with that. But all in all, I, I'm really excited. The Saints, I think, will go 13-3. and three. They, have, they will have home field advantage in the playoffs, and they have a home field advantage really all year. They're playing indoors 11 of their 16 games. The Saints have a great defense, and that is the difference. That is the difference between Drew Brees doing really well making the playoffs and Drew Brees doing really well making the playoffs and possibly winning a Super Bowl. The Saints' defense is a really formidable group this year. That is why I have the Saints going 13-3. and three. Okay. I want to shift gears to the Atlanta Falcons. I am really excited for the Falcons. According to me, I I predict the Falcons going 12 and 4. Again, I predict the Falcons going 12 and 4. They will be second in the NFC South. And that is not a slight against the Falcons. I believe in the Falcons. I think the Falcons are one of the seven or eight teams that could win the Super Bowl this year. I really, really love their roster. Um, I I think here's the most interesting storyline if you're a Falcons fan. Steve Sarkeesian is entering his second year as the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. Last year, they struggled. I know the Falcons were eighth overall in total offense, but when they got into the red zone, they really, really struggled to put the ball into the end zone. They had to kick a lot of field goals. They had to settle, and they they weren't as efficient as they normally are. I think in year two, the Falcons will be better on offense. They're going to be more efficient. See, situational football, the scoring in the red zone, things like that, comes down to how well do you know each other. And Matt Ryan and Steve Sarkeesian have 
had another year. This is now their second year building their relationship and kind of getting to know each other. That is what situational football often is about. Look, I'm not going to make excuses for Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian is not Sean McVay. He's not Kyle Shanahan. Steve Sarkeesian is not the best of the best when it comes to offensive coordinators, but he's a very capable offensive coordinator with a lot of really good tools. I think he's going to be better this year. Another really interesting storyline to follow for the Falcons is Calvin Ridley. I believe Calvin Ridley could very easily be rookie of the year. He's going to start all year. So other guys, Josh Rosen could be rookie of the year, but I don't know that he's going to play all year. And so Calvin Ridley has a huge advantage. The other advantage for Calvin Ridley, Calvin Ridley is a wide receiver that was drafted out of Alabama. The benefit Calvin Ridley has is he plays with Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu. Julio Jones is one of the top three wide receivers in the entire NFL. I would say Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr., and Julio Jones. Personally, I would rather have Julio Jones. He's more quiet, keeps to himself. But I understand people that like Odell Beckham Jr. But the benefit of this is for Calvin Ridley, defenses are not going to know where to put their attention. They're going to, put, they're going to double team Julio Jones. They're going to guard Mohamed Sanu. They're going to put a guy in the box to stop the run. And what that will do for their young rookie wide receiver, Calvin Ridley, is Calvin Ridley will be matched up against people who are not as good as him. He'll be matched up by their third or fourth corner or a linebacker. Calvin Ridley is going to be in a position to have a mismatch often, and I think he's going to take advantage. I really loved the Falcons drafting Calvin Ridley, the wide receiver out of Alabama in the NFL draft. The last thing I want to say about the Falcons, their defense is interesting to me. Remember, head coach Dan Quinn is uh, the former defensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks, he mimics the Seahawks defense. And part of that, what that means to me is my concern for the Falcons defense, I'll say this, is that I think they're going to give up a lot of yards. I don't think they're a great defense. They're good, but they're not great. But what's interesting to me is as the field shrinks, when the Falcons get in the red zone this year, I think the defense could improve. I think the defense could stifle people. They have a lot of big athletes and I think they could play better. And they, I think they're going to give up field goals long-term, but they're going to Limit touchdowns because they're going to tighten up when they get into the red zone. So pay attention to the Falcons scoring defense. They might give up a lot of yards, but they might give up less points than the yards would indicate. So that's something I'm very curious about. Again, I want to repeat, I think the Falcons will go 12 and four. I think they are primed to win a Super Bowl. I'm really excited. If I'm a Falcons fan, I would be excited for my team. 12 and four, they're going to easily make it into the wild card spot in the playoffs, and they could potentially win the Super Bowl if they can make a playoff run. Remember, the Saints, I think you're going to have home field advantage in the playoffs. If the Falcons can get to the Saints dome, that's not an advantage for the Saints anymore. The Saints and the Falcons are both teams built for to play in, playing indoors, basically. And so if the Falcons can get there, they could very easily take on the Saints and potentially go to the Super Bowl. I, I've, I'm very excited for the Falcons. Okay. Um, <sighs> there are two teams that everybody believes in that I just don't buy. Those two teams are the New York Giants and the Carolina Panthers. I don't buy the Panthers. I predict the Panthers going 6-10 and 10 and 3rd in the NFC South. I'm not a big believer in them. Um, there are two teams, first of all, in their division that could win the Super Bowl, the Falcons and the Saints. And remember, the Panthers play, the Panthers play in the incredibly good NFC conference, chock full of really great teams. Here's why I don't buy the Panthers, though. This is why I believe the Panthers will go 6-10. and 10. My biggest concern for the Panthers is that they hired Norv Turner. Norv Turner is their new offensive coordinator. Um, the reason why they hired Norv Turner is because they wanted to help Cam Newton. Their whole, the Panthers' whole mindset this year is, 
we are going to help Cam Newton evolve as a quarterback. Remember, Norv Turner has a more precise offense. Six yards, five yards, eight yards, dink, dunk, precision passes. I don't believe Cam Newton is that type of quarterback. In fact, I can tell you, Cam Newton is not a precision quarterback. He's a 58% completion guy. He's not consistent. He makes big plays and hits home runs. Cam Newton is not a quarterback built for precision. That's just not who he is. And I think the Panthers are somewhat silly to think they can change Cam Newton into, in his eighth year. It's just not a realistic expectation. Now, I, I do want to say this. The Panthers' goal is to change him. And I think we could see there are two things that could compromise and make the Panthers work out really well this year. Either maybe the Panthers realize, hey, we're making a mistake. Cam Newton is not going to change, and Norv Turner changes his entire approach. Maybe the Panthers decide to build an offense around Cam Newton's strengths. He's really good at play action. He throws the ball deep really well, and he's really good running the football. Maybe they take advantage of that. The other possibility, I don't want to discount this. There is a real possibility that Cam Newton changes who he is as a quarterback. Maybe he does. Maybe he goes from throwing 58% completions to 64. Maybe he makes a giant leap and totally changes who he is as a quarterback. Personally, I don't see that happening. I don't think... Cam Newton is going to change who he is as a quarterback, but I'm not going to discount it. It is entirely possible. In fact, I'm rooting for that. I would love to see Cam Newton evolve, become a different quarterback, change who he is. I just don't think that's possible. I would love that. I don't think that's what's going to happen. So keep your eye on Cam Newton. Watch what happens with them. So that's Cam Newton is one of the big reasons why I think the Panthers will go six and 10. I don't know that he can handle the pressure. I don't think that, remember two teams in his division could win the Super Bowl, the Saints and the Falcons. And remember, as everybody rises around him, as the NFC gets better, I wonder if Cam Newton will rise with everybody else or will he shrink and become less relevant? I I think it's possible Cam Newton folds under the pressure. Remember, he's emotionally unstable. We've seen that from him in the past. I don't know that Cam Newton can handle the pressure of everyone in the NFC being incredibly good around him. Now, there's one other reason why I think the Panthers will go 6-10. and I like the Panthers a lot. Uh, that's, that's not true. I I'm rooting for Cam Newton. Um, but I think he's the problem with the Panthers. Another problem is I don't think the Panthers are a very good football team. Frankly, their defense is aging. They're, they're, they're really, they have Luke Keekley. That's awesome. But they lost. There are three big reasons that I think the Panthers are going to struggle. They lost their all pro guard, Andrew Norwell to the Jaguars. They lost their defensive tackle star, Lotu Lele to the Bills. And they lost their defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, who is now the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. The Panthers' defense is aging. Again, Luke Keekley, awesome linebacker. But their starting safety, Mike Adams, is 37. Their defensive end, Julius Peppers, is a starter. He's 38 years old. And Julius Peppers plays a position that requires you to be incredibly athletic. So I don't know, man. I, I think the Panthers go 6-10. and 10. I'm not a big believer in the Panthers. I don't think their season's going to end up great. Um, and uh, I, I just want to reiterate, this is not the 2015 Carolina Panthers that went to the Super Bowl. This is not that roster at all. This is a roster for the Panthers that has many, many flaws. They have a quarterback I'm concerned about, and they don't have a very good roster. So I think the Panthers will not make the playoffs. They will go 6-10 and and be third in the NFC South. Okay. Water. I need water. Am I talking too fast? I can never tell. Honestly, I can never, ever tell. My fear is, remember, I did this podcast once, and it was four hours long. I don't want to do that. Um, but I, I think we're making good time. I honestly have no idea. Let me know. I, I, I don't know what I'm... Ah. I want to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
I believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to go 2-14. and 14. That might be a little harsh, but I every time I look at their schedule, I think it's honestly what's going to happen. I believe the Jameis Winston drama. Remember, Jameis Winston is suspended for three games. I think the Jameis Winston drama is just too much for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to overcome. I'm not a big believer. And even when Jameis Winston does come back, presumably as a quarterback, this is a guy who threw 58% completions last year. He does not. He's not a great quarterback. He's pretty erratic. He's all over the place. Um, and I don't know that he even will come back. It's very possible Ryan Fitzpatrick remains the starting quarterback for the Buccaneers their entire season this year. So I, I'm not a big believer in the Buccaneers simply because I don't like their quarterback. Here's another big reason I don't like the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers' biggest strength is their defensive line. Excuse me. The Buccaneers' biggest strength is their defensive line. Not their defense, their linemen. And that's great. They have Jason Pierre-Paul, Bo Allen, Vinnie Curry. They drafted Vita Vea, the defensive tackle from Washington. Those are all awesome. That's actually really scary. That's a really good defensive line. My problem is I don't think that defensive lines win games. Ask J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt, defensive player of the year three times. How much was J.J. Watt winning when he was dominating the NFL? I don't know that defensive linemen win football games. And if that's your biggest strength on your team, that really scares me. So all in all, I think the Buccaneers are rebuilding. I'm not a big believer in them. I think they're rebuilding their roster. There's a lot of young players on defense. There's one thing to pay attention to. Last year, the Buccaneers lost seven games by seven points or less. And maybe the difference is that Ryan Fitzpatrick being their starting quarterback will have fewer turnovers because Jameis Winston, I, he fumbles, he throws interceptions, he's erratic. Kind of reminds me of Eli Manning. I think that Jameis Winston maybe being benched is a good thing. And maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick is a difference to win a couple more close games. So maybe the, the Buccaneers do go from 2-4 and four to 5-11. and 11. But regardless, I'm not excited for the Buccaneers. I think their season's going to be pretty ugly. They're rebuilding, and they might even draft a quarterback in next year's NFL draft. I'm really not excited for the Buccaneers. They're going to have an abysmal season. They're not worth watching, and I'm, I'm really pretty bummed out for them. They will be my prediction 2-14. and 14. I recognize that's harsh, but you got to have some teams at the bottom. I think the, the Buccaneers are really going to struggle. So I want to repeat, the NFC South, I think, in my opinion, works out like this. The New Orleans Saints will go 13-3. and three. They are going to possibly go to the Super Bowl. They're one of my Super Bowl favorites. Another team in their division, the second team in that division will be the Falcons. They will go 12-4. and four. Another team in their division, I think, could win the Super Bowl. Third in that division, I have the Panthers third in the NFC South. They will go 6-10. and 10. I think Cam Newton will be a mess this year. And finally, the Buccaneers will go 2-14. and 14. If Cam Newton's a mess, the Buccaneers is just a plain old mess. Their mess is awful. They're abysmal everywhere. I don't really like them. I like O.J. Howard, their tight end. But I'm not very excited about the Buccaneers season. I think the Jameis Winston mess is too much to overcome. I think the Buccaneers go 2-14. and 14. That is how I see the NFC South working out. Okay. I want to switch gears now to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, it's pretty simple for me. I think the Green Bay Packers are going to go 12-4. and four. I believe the Packers will win their division. The reason is because of Aaron Rodgers. It's not complicated. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in all of football. It's, it's pretty simple. I don't know. I, I think Aaron Rodgers can carry their team to a 10-win season, quite frankly. Um, they also added Jimmy Graham. The Packers added tight end Jimmy Graham from the Seattle Seahawks. That was a great move. I never liked the way the Seahawks used him. 
And I believe the Packers are going to use Jimmy Graham to take advantage of the natural mismatch his large size creates. I think that's going to be really exciting to watch. They have a solid offensive line. Look, the Packers are going to score a lot of points. What makes me optimistic about the Packers this year is their defense. The Packers defense is much improved. They spent their first two draft picks on corners. They drafted Jair Alexander out of Louisville. They drafted Josh Jackson out of Iowa. And they also got a new defensive coordinator. I'm pretty excited for the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers gets you to 10 wins. The difference between 10 wins and a good season and 12 wins and possibly a Super Bowl is their defense. Defense. I think the Packers defense is going to be much improved. And I, we'll see how far they can take them, quite frankly. I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers could very much get a first round bye in the playoffs. He's going to have a home playoff game. Um, but the difference between having some playoff success and winning, it to, winning the Super Bowl or making it to the Super Bowl, the difference for the Packers will be their defense. We know Aaron Rodgers is great. How great will their defense be? Are they good? Are they great? There's questions to be answered. That is a thing to watch if you're a Packers fan. How good is the Packers defense? If they're really good, they could win the Super Bowl because Aaron Rodgers is unbelievable. Again, I see the Packers going 12-4 and four first in the NFC North. I want to now talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Um... I predict the Vikings going third. Uh, excuse me. Wow. Um, I not my prediction at all. I predict the Vikings going eleven and five. I, I have a very interesting opinion on this. The reason why I see the Vikings going eleven and five is if you look at their schedule last year. Last year the Vikings. I don't want to confuse you. Last year the Vikings were thirteen and three. This year they have a tougher schedule and the NFC North that division that the Vikings play in is better. Aaron Rodgers is back. The Lions have improved. The Bears have a better offense, and they have a tougher schedule. The Minnesota Vikings play the Rams, the Patriots, the Saints, the Eagles, and again, Aaron Rodgers twice. I think it's very reasonable to say the Vikings go from 13-3 and to 11-5. and I don't know that that should be very controversial. I think it's very reasonable. An interesting point I want to make about the Minnesota Vikings is they just added Kirk Cousins. And I want to ask you a question. What do you really know about Kirk Cousins? Because I want to name some facts. These are some things we, without a shadow of a doubt, know about Kirk Cousins. We know that Kirk Cousins has lost games because of boneheaded mistakes. We know that Kirk Cousins has never won in big moments, and he's not won a playoff game. He's zero playoff wins. We also know that Kirk Cousins had a chance to earn a big contract last year in the Washington Redskins organization, and he didn't. He was mediocre, and they didn't want to bring him back. The Redskins chose Alex Smith over Kirk Cousins. And the last thing we know for without a shadow of a doubt about Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins' career as a starter. He's 26, 30, and 1. Kirk Cousins has a losing record as a starting quarterback. That's one perspective you can take. You can be very negative about Kirk Cousins if you want. There's another perspective you can look at it this way. You can say, well, Kirk Cousins didn't get much help in Washington. He never really had great pieces around him. And the Minnesota Vikings head coach, Mike Zimmer, is 38-7 and when the Vikings score 20 points or more. It's very possible that Kirk Cousins is the difference between winning a lot of games and some games. And so I think Kirk Cousins might be the, me the next thing the Vikings need. I believe there's no excuse for Kirk Cousins now, and I'm pretty excited for him. I think he's got a better offense and a better defense. Um, last year, the Vikings hit a ceiling called Case Keenum. The Vikings feel like they could have done better but they were limited by their quarterback play. And so this year, Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback for the Vikings. I'm excited for the Vikings. I think their future is really good. 
They have a new offensive coordinator, John DiFilippo, who was the former quarterback coach with the Eagles. I, the only thing I would say if you're a Vikings fan, I predict the Vikings going 11-5. and five. I like them. I'm excited for them. I believe you need to have patience. Year, this is year one with Kirk Cousins. Year two, maybe year three. That is when you need to relax. Uh, that's when you need to raise expectations. I think this year, relax. This year, year one with Kirk Cousins, I don't think you're a Super Bowl favorite. Year two and year three is when you can raise the bar and have higher expectations. Give the Vikings one year to figure it out with Kirk Cousins. Give them one year to gel with a new offensive coordinator, John DiFilippo. Have patience now. And for now, I think the Vikings are an 11-5 and wildcard team. Next year, they might be a playoff team that wins their division and potentially winning the Super Bowl. Relax your expectations just a little bit if you are a Vikings fan. Okay. Um, water first. That's my thing, I guess, between every little segment. I go, okay, um, and then I drink water. Uh, I, uh, whew, I gotta slow down, don't I? I feel like I'm running a track meet. <clears throat> I believe the Detroit Lions are going to go eight and eight. They have a new head coach, Mike Patricia, who is the former defensive coordinator from the New England Patriots. I like Matt Patricia. I don't love him. There's a cool thing that Matt Patricia did when he was hired. He kept the offensive coordinator from the last coaching staff. That uh, offensive coordinator is Jim Bob Cooter. I'm excited about that. The reason why I'm excited is that's not very common. And the reason why Matt Patricia did that is he wants to keep his quarterback happy. That's great. That's awesome. I think that the Lions are going to go 8-8, eight and eight, but that could very possibly become 10-6. and six. The Lions are not a bad football team at all. And I really like their general manager, Bob Quinn. The goal of Bob Quinn, when he's built, as he's been building this roster, he wants to toughen up the Lions on the offensive and defensive lines. That could happen. And so when you look at the Lions, their secondary is a strength. The problem is they have a new head coach. And I think the first year for Matt Patricia is about building culture. Year two for the Lions, I would raise your expectations just a little bit. So I think eight and eight is a very reasonable bet if you're a Lions fan. Maybe 10 and six. Maybe they're on the bubble for the playoffs. Um, but all in all, all in all, I see the Lions going eight and eight and third in the NFC North. Now, the Chicago Bears are a team I'm so excited for. Um, I predict the Chicago Bears going five and 11. I'm excited for them. They, they added a couple really good receivers that I really want to talk about. They added Taylor Gabriel from the, uh, from the Falcons. They added Allen Robinson from the Jaguars. And they also added tight end Trey Burton from the Eagles. If you remember, Trey Burton is the guy who threw the touchdown pass to Nick Foles in the Super Bowl. The exciting part about the Bears is they're building their offense. They hired a new head coach, Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy is the former offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. What I like about Matt Nagy is he is a he's a part of the Andy Reid coaching tree. If you look at all the guys Andy Reid has taught under him, look at the coaching tree for Andy Reid. You have John Harbaugh, the Ravens head coach, Ron Rivera, the current Panthers coach, Todd Bowles, the Jets head coach, Doug Peterson, the Eagles coach, Sean McDermott, the Bills head coach, and now Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach. Six of Andy Reid's former assistant coaches are now head coaches in the NFL, and two of them have Super Bowls with another Ron Rivera has gotten to a Super Bowl. That's really encouraging. If I'm a Bears fan, I go, look, Matt Nagy is part of the Andy Reid coaching tree. Andy Reid's former assistants often win games. Two of them have won Super Bowls. Ron Rivera has been to a Super Bowl. That's really encouraging. 
What I like about the Bears move, the reason why the Bears hired Matt Nagy is the Bears want to help their young quarterback, Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky's headed into his second year. And the other thing they did, so they hired Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy hired Mark Helfritz. Mark Helfritz is the former Ducks head coach. Mark Helfritz was hired to be the Bears' new offensive coordinator. I think this is a great move. I'm very, very excited. I actually met Mark Helfritz last year. I was... um. I was working in audio for the Washington State and Stanford football game in the Pac-12 last year, and one of the broadcasters was, in fact, Mark Helfrich. So the entire game, I'm running audio, so I have Mark Helfrich's voice in my ear all four quarters. And not just when the game is live, also when the, the mics are turned off and when he's not live on the air. I felt like I got to know the guy pretty well. He knows football really well. He's a really funny guy and seems like a great guy. I got to shake his hand, got to meet him. I'm excited for the uh, for the Bears. I think Mark Helfrich was a really good hire, and I'm excited to see what he does with Mitch Trubisky. And the truth of the matter is that if Mitch Trubisky can't figure it out, if Mitch Trubisky cannot improve this year with all the things the Bears have surrounded him with, a new offensive coordinator, a new head coach, new receivers, a new tight end, if Mitch Trubisky can't improve, that just shows he simply can't do it in the NFL. You know, we saw last year the... Rams brought in a new head coach, Sean McVay, to help Jared Goff with his second year. And Jared Goff shot up. He immediately improved a ton. I think Sean McVay is somewhat of an anomaly. You should not expect a Sean McVay-like improvement from Jared Goff or the Bears. Excuse me, from Mitch Trubisky or the Bears. But what I will say is that maybe the Bears can repeat some of that success. On a smaller scale, I think we could see Mitch Trubisky dramatically improve because he's actually getting really good offensive coaching where before I don't think he was. I'm excited. I think the Bears have a really good defense um, and I think Mitch Trubisky could be good. He's just really unproven. So that is why I'm predicting the Bears to go 5-11. and 11. I like them. I don't love them. But remember, last year the Bears had a top defense in the NFL with an extremely bad offense. If they have a little bit of help this year, that pushes them over the edge and they might win a couple more games. I'm excited to watch the Bears this year. I think they're an interesting team. I think they're a bad team that's trying to rebuild, but interesting nonetheless. It'll be fun to see if they can work with Mitch Trubisky. So all in all, the way I see the NFC North working out, I think the Packers will go 12-4. and Remember, Aaron Rodgers is back. I feel like that's all I need to say. Aaron Rodgers is going to lead the Packers to an NFC North division, and they're going to, win 12, they're going to go 12-4. and the Vikings, I predict, going 11-5. and five. They're second in the NFC North. They're a better team this year, but they also have a tougher schedule, which is why I don't believe the Vikings are going to be first in the NFC North. I think the Lions will be third in the NFC North. They'll go 8-8. Eight and eight. This year for the Lions is all about building the culture. I like the Lions. I don't love the Lions. The Bears are going to go 5-11. and 11. That's my prediction. The reason why is they have Mitch Trubisky, a young quarterback. The entire season for the Bears is built around developing Mitch Trubisky. I like him. I don't love him, but I think they're building something, and the future is bright if you're a Bears fan. Assuming Mitch Trubisky can figure it out. Maybe Mitch Trubisky just simply isn't good enough, and then you should be concerned if you're a Bears fan. But if you believe in Mitch Trubisky, you like what you're seeing from the Bears and their organization right now. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about the NFC East. We have two more divisions in the NFC East and the NFC. Then I'm going to take a short break, and we'll pick it back up in a minute. I want to talk now about the Philadelphia Eagles, though. <clears throat> I uh, I predict the Philadelphia Eagles going 11-5. and five. I don't think that should be very controversial. I think they're going to win the NFC East. I really like the Eagles. Remember, the Eagles just won the Super Bowl, and then they got even better. 
what's the last time we saw a team win a Super Bowl and upgrade? It was actually the Patriots two years ago after beating the Falcons. They upgraded. They went back to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying the Eagles are going to go back to Super Bowl or win again, but I think they're going to be really successful. Remember, they they added Haloti Nada. They added Michael Bennett. And they bring back the best young quarterback in the entire NFL, Carson Wentz, from an injury. If Carson Wentz doesn't get hurt, he's the NFL MVP last year. He was incredible. And I think it's worth noting, the Eagles really only lost three pieces from their Super Bowl run last year. They lost an undersized tight end, Trey Burton, to the Bears. I'm okay with that. They have still have a really great tight end on the Bears roster, on the Eagles roster. They also lost John DeFilippo, the quarterback coach. John DeFilippo went to the Vikings. He's new, the new Vikings offensive coordinator. And the third thing the Eagles lost from their Super Bowl run is Frank Reich. Frank Reich left to become the Indianapolis Colts head coach. The good news is you lost a couple offensive pieces. The good news is the guy who actually calls plays for the Eagles, Doug Peterson, is going to remain with the Philadelphia Eagles. That's great. I'm not concerned at all. I think the Eagles are a fantastic team, chock full of really good offensive weapons. They have Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, Mike Wallace, Zach Ertz is an all-pro tight end. They also have Dallas Godert, a rookie tight end they drafted, and the most notable thing to watch if you're an Eagles fan. Jay Ajayi, the running back for the Eagles, he has something to prove. Everybody in the media is talking about Saquon Barkley, talking about Ezekiel Elliott, the Eagles running back feels left out. He wants people to pay attention to him. And so I think he's got something to prove. I think he could have a great season. Also, it's worth noting the offensive line is scary good. I think 11-5 and five could be a conservative prediction for the Eagles. Um, but they also have a really tough schedule. This is who the Eagles play this year. The Falcons, the Saints, the Vikings, the Texans, the Rams, Panthers, Jaguars, Titans, and the Cowboys twice. I think 11-5 and five is a really reasonable record for the Eagles. Even though they're a great team, they play a lot of really tough games. Uh, I think saying they lose five, five of those games that are really tough is pretty reasonable. They're going to win games against good teams, and they're going to lose games against really good teams. I think the Eagles go back and win the NFC East again. Okay. The Cowboys. I love the Cowboys. I feel like I'm the only person in the world... I believe the Cowboys are going to go 10-6. and six. It's going to be really close, though. They could potentially push the Eagles. Their schedule is a little bit easier than the Eagles. Remember, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Two of their games are just incredibly... The way the schedule's made, it's, it's built to toughen you. If you have a really good season, your schedule's difficult next year. I think that's going to hurt the Eagles. I think it could benefit the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys go 10-6. and six. They will be second in the NFC East, but they're, they're right on the bubble. They could make the playoffs. I love the Cowboys. I made a video saying that the Cowboys were one of the seven or eight teams that could win the Super Bowl next year. I want to pull back on that. I, uh, I think that was a little bit presumptuous. I was wrong. I'm willing to say that. I don't think the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, but I do love Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is the future of the Dallas Cowboys. The reason why I think that they will not win the Super Bowl this year. I think Dak Prescott's going to make a small incremental improvement. I don't know that he's going to make a giant leap. What you see often from quarterbacks, and actually if you look at all the stats, look at every quarterback's stats. Look at Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson. Year four and year five is when quarterbacks make a giant leap. Either year four or year five. One of those two. Dak Prescott's entering his third year in the NFL. Traditionally, you see a little bit of improvement, but you see the most big leap uh, in year four or five. I don't know that Dak Prescott's going to have a tremendous, gigantic leap this year. I do like what the Cowboys are doing. They got rid of Des Bryant, who is going to help Dak Prescott a lot. Des Bryant is now gone. 
There's no more drama around him. Having a receiver who is a pain in the butt, obviously, that's hard to work with. And so him being gone is good for Dak Prescott. They also added Alan Hearns, the wide receiver from Jacksonville. Uh, the problem is that the rule changes in the NFL help wide receivers. Rule changes in the NFL promote catches and they hurt the defense a little bit. I don't think the Cowboys have anybody to take advantage of the new rule changes in Dallas. That's sad. But again, they have Ezekiel Elliott for all 16 games. They're going to run the ball incredibly well. The other thing no one's really talking about, Tyron Smith got hurt last year. Tyron Smith is their left tackle. Everybody blames the bad season for the Cowboys. Sorry, the I think they went 9-7. and seven, The almost playoff season for the Cowboys. That's supposedly horrible. Everybody blames that season on Ezekiel Elliott getting suspension. They say Dak Prescott struggled because Ezekiel Elliott got hurt. I don't know if that's entirely true. I think the big thing that everyone overlooks is Tyron Smith got hurt. The Cowboys left tackle got hurt and they suddenly couldn't block anybody. It didn't matter. They had two all pro linemen over there on the right side of the offensive line. If your left tackle can't block anybody, which they couldn't go watch all or nothing on Amazon prime, man, the Cowboys couldn't do anything. They really, really struggled because they were missing their left tackle. Tyron Smith, their left tackle is back. That is why I think they're going to be a much better team. It's not Ezekiel Elliott. I think Ezekiel Elliott's great. He's really good at running the football, but you can get any guy to get eight yards. Ezekiel Elliott maybe go from eight to 40. That's why who scores their long touchdowns, but they'd be okay without Ezekiel Elliott. Their left tackle, Tyron Smith, is the really big concern. That is why they struggled last year and didn't make the playoffs. Um, Kellen Moore is their new quarterback coach. I like him. If you remember, Kellen Moore was the backup quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys last year. He's really interesting. The final thing I want to say about the Cowboys is, well, there's two more things. First, you got to watch Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence is a defensive end. Uh, he had his, in his second year last year for the Cowboys, he had a breakout season. He had 14 and a half sacks. Watch Demarcus Lawrence this year. How does he play? Is he going to be really good? Is he going to stay consistent and kill it? I hope so. I think so. The reason why I am concerned about the Cowboys, there's a stretch. There's a stretch from November 11th to December 16th that is really, really concerning. Your hope, there's six games in that stretch. Your best hope is to go 13-3 and three if you're the Cowboys. They play at the Eagles, at the Falcons. They play the Redskins, they play the Saints, they play the Eagles, and they play at the Colts with Andrew Luck. Those are six incredibly tough games. Five of those six, potentially they could lose. So if I'm a Cowboys fan, I am really cautious and nervous because November 11th through December 16th, late November, early December, that's an incredibly tough stretch with a lot of tough sledding. That is why I believe the Cowboys are going to go 10-6. and six. I like Dak Prescott. He's better, but he's not going to be as good as he will be year four or five. I think their stretch from November and December is incredibly tough. And I think that Tyron Smith is back, which is going to help them a lot. Again, I see the Cowboys going 10 and six. If they can steal a win, you know, in that December, Jan in that November, December stretch, maybe they could make the playoffs. But those, that's a lot of tough wins and a lot of tough games back to back to back. Nobody has a stretch like that in the NFL. I think the Cowboys go 10 and six and just miss the playoffs. Okay. <clears throat> oh, I'm tired. I'm already like beat out of my mouth. It's gross. Um, <clears throat> I believe the Washington Redskins are going to go six and 10. I think they will be third and the NFC East, and I, there's a couple, you know, there's some bad stuff, there's some good stuff, and there's something worth considering for the Redskins. This will be a quick one. I, first of all, I think the bad for the Washington Redskins, the bad, the Redskins have a mediocre defense. That's really concerning. Um, Josh Norman, their 
great corner. He's aging. They're led by Evolando Skandrick. They're just getting old, and they're not very good on defense. Now, here's what I like about the Redskins. I like that they drafted Darius Geis, the running back from LSU, and I really like that their left tackle, their Pro Bowl left tackle, Trent Williams, is returning to the Redskins after being injured last year. Jay Gruden, the Redskins head coach, said, we love Trent Williams. He's the best left tackle in football. That's great. That's awesome. Here's something I want you to think about, though. This is why I believe the Redskins are going to go 10-6. and This is my problem with the Redskins. The Redskins' new quarterback is Alex Smith. And I've heard some people say, you know, Alex Smith wins everywhere he goes. He's a really good quarterback. He wins a lot of games. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know that I buy that. Alex Smith was on one of the best rosters in the entire NFL for the last couple of years. He played on the Kansas City Chiefs. And consistently, the only thing Alex Smith did was underachieve. Every single year, it felt like Alex Smith should have done better with the Chiefs, and he didn't. And so now Alex Smith is on a worse roster with the Redskins, and he's not going to have as much talent around him. Why would you believe in him? Why, do, why would people believe Alex Smith is going to be really good for the Redskins? I don't buy it. I think he had a really... He underachieved in, with the Chiefs. His ro- roster's worse. His coaching is worse. I don't know that he's going to be better. And so that is why I think the Redskins are going to go 6-10. and 10. I like Alex Smith. I don't love Alex Smith. I think he's safe. I don't think he's going to light up the NFL, and I think that's why the Chiefs are, are the, excuse me, the Redskins. That's why the Redskins are going to go six and ten. I just don't believe in Alex Smith. There you go, Alex Smith, average roster, aging defense. That's a six and ten team, if you ever ask me. Okay. Um. <laughs> oh, you guys are going to hate me. This is one that's going to make everybody angry. The New York Giants are screwed. The New York. Giants are screwed. They are going to go 4-12. and 12. And that's, that's really being generous, I think. First of all, here's who the Giants start with. These are the first seven games for the New York Giants. They play the Jaguars, the Cowboys, the Texans, the Saints, the Panthers, the Eagles, and the Falcons. So now you're seven games in. You're 0-7 if you're the Giants. Now here are the two reasons why I don't buy the Giants. Number one, their quarterback is still Eli Manning. I don't believe in Eli Manning. The other reason is this. The two best players for the New York Giants are a running back and a wide receiver. You have Odell Beckham Jr. and Saquon Barkley. Those are awesome. Those are incredible. Like possibly Hall of Fame, a Hall of Fame running back, possibly a Hall of Fame wide receiver. That's awesome. But Calvin Johnson was the best wide receiver in football for years and he didn't win games. I don't think wide receivers or running backs win games. Quarterbacks do. Your quarterback is 37 years old. He's not very good. His name is Eli Manning. That is why I don't buy the Giants. Everybody's talking about how, you know, people have blamed the offensive line for the Giants, saying the offensive line is the reason why the Eli Manning struggled so much last year. I don't want to ask me, if you're building a house and uh, you know, you're rebuilding, is the problem, the, like, if the walls keep falling down, if everything keeps falling down in the house, is the problem the walls or is the foundation the walls are built on the problem? I think Eli Manning is the foundation of this team. I think he's the problem for the Giants. They need to find a new quarterback. The other thing I don't like about the Giants, they're, I'm concerned about their defense. They're changing their defense from a 4-3 to a 3-4 scheme. From four down linemen to three down linemen. You know who else is doing that? Who else is changing their defensive scheme in the NFL? The Arizona Cardinals. You know why? They're rebuilding 
I don't know why people keep telling me the Giants aren't rebuilding. Everything points to the New York Giants are a rebuilding franchise. I don't know how you can look at it any differently. Also, there's some cancer on this team that I don't like. Landon Collins last year for the New York Giants called Eli Apple cancer. Now, last I checked, Eli Apple still on the Giants roster, which means there was some kind of friction they never figured out. They never solved it. And I, I'm just concerned. I don't believe in the Falcons at all. And excuse me, the Giants at all. I don't believe in the Giants. I believe the New York Giants are going to go 4-12. and 12. They're going to start 0-7. It's going to be really ugly. Everybody who hates this video, people are going to be really mad when I put this video out. The Giants are going to go 4-12. and 12. When I say that, I'm going to get a lot of hate. I want you to ask yourself, when the Giants are 0-7, Will you still believe in Eli Manning? Will you still be like, Eli Manning is our guy. We got to have that quarter. I, I don't buy that at all. I think Giants fans are going to very quickly bail on their quarterback, Eli Manning, because he's simply not very good. I see the Giants going 4-12, and 12, and uh, you're going to eat your words. Just watch. I, if I'm wrong, I'm willing to be wrong. I'll admit it. Um, I think Giants fans are who is wrong in this case. I don't think the Giants are going to have a very good season. Okay. So that's how I see the NFC East working out. I see the Eagles going 11-5. and five. They have a tougher schedule. They have an incredible roster, but it's not enough. I think 11-5 and five is what they need. They're going to be first in the NFC East, and maybe they'll have a good playoff run. I don't know. The Cowboys is, are really interesting to me. They're going to go 10-6. and six. I think Dak Prescott's really close to having a breakout season. I just think he's one more year away. You need to have patience for Dak Prescott. The Redskins are going to go 6-10. and 10. I, Do you really believe in Alex Smith? Like, Alex Smith underachieves with the Chiefs. I don't know why you would believe Alex Smith is the guy that's going to carry the Redskins to the promised land. And finally, Eli Manning is a washed-up shell of a quarterback. The Giants are going to go 4-12. and I don't buy the Giants. I don't buy that wide receivers win you games. I don't think running backs win you games. I think quarterbacks win you games. Their defense sucks. Their quarter running back's great. Their wide receiver's great. Their quarterback is trash. Their quarterback is trash. Their defense is trash. I feel like that's enough said. That's all I need to say about the Giants. They're going to be 4-12. and 12. They're not going to be very good. Okay. Um, we're going to do the NFC West. Then I'm going to take a short break, and we will do the AFC. I hope you're enjoying this. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best most interesting clips. Tell your friends about this podcast. If you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, help me grow the show by telling your friends about it. All right. Uh, the Rams. I predict the Rams going 12-4 and four and placing first place in the NFC West. The Rams are a legitimate Super Bowl team. They are my Super Bowl favorite. I, I, that's not true. The Saints are my Super Bowl favorite. The Rams have a very legitimate shot. In fact, I think if the Rams are not in the NFC wet, uh, championship game, they're, that's a really big problem. If the Rams aren't in the NFC championship game, that's going to be a disappointment for Rams fans. Expectations should be high. I don't blame people. The Rams added a ton, a ton of talent. They added Brandon Cooks from the New, uh, New England Patriots this offseason. They added Aqib Tlaib, the corner from Denver. They traded for Marcus Peters, an all-pro corner, and they signed Indomitian Sue. All-pro after all-pro after all-pro. The Rams are significantly better than last year. They tore up the NFL last year. Just imagine what they will do this year. One interesting threat for the Rams this year is they are working on a contract with Aaron Donald. I don't know they're going to figure it out. If they do, if the Rams can figure out how to get Aaron Donald onto the field, they're terrifying. I mean, their defense is already terrifying. If they have Aaron Donald and Indomitian Sue, 
I, I you, you won't be able to run the ball against them. You, the Rams are just going to annihilate people if they can get Aaron Donald figured out and get him on the field. Um, there's a short window here for the Rams. The Rams have a quarterback, Jared Goff, on a rookie deal, which means they can spend a lot more money everywhere else. The other reason why the Rams have a short window here to win a Super Bowl, Andrew Whitworth, their left tackle, is 36 years old. He's not going to play for the next five years. It's not going to happen. So you got to win now. I love the Rams' approach. Another thing is their center, John Sullivan, is 32. Look, the Rams are aging. Now is their time to win. Now is the time they make it happen. The only reason why the Rams would underachieve this year is either Jared Goff wilts. Maybe Jared Goff can't handle the pressure in big moments. The other reason why the Rams might struggle is because they have a ton of personalities in their locker room. If they can't control all of the personalities in their locker room, they could potentially miss a chance at winning the Super Bowl. But the Rams should be a Super Bowl favorite. They are fantastic. They have a genius young head coach, Sean McVay, who's contrasted by Wade Phillips, who's 71 years old on the defensive side. They have a ton of talent. They have a ton of winnable games. Um, And the last thing I want to say about the Rams, watch for Samson Ibukam. Samson Ibukam is a guy I played with in high school. He plays defensive end for the Rams. He could play a lot this year. I'm really excited to watch him. I predict the Rams going 12-4. and They're a Super Bowl favorite, and they will finish first in the NFC West. The Rams are a team that is scary talented. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about the 49ers. This is a big one. This is the one that everyone wants to hear me talk about. The Ram- I know most of my fan base is 49ers fans. Um, they are 49ers. English, I can't talk. Whatever. I'm going to drink water. I like how this is working out. I think we're going to go about an hour for the NFC and then an hour for the AFC. That's, that's a pretty good podcast. Two hours, um, significantly shorter than it was going to be. I like that. <clears throat> so, the 49ers, I predict going 9-7 and seven and finishing second in the NFC West. I keep telling 49ers fans to guard your heart, temper your expectations. Look, I'm so, so excited for the 49ers. They got Jimmy Garoppolo, a franchise quarterback. I don't think people quite appreciate how what he did last year. He came in with, I think he had like three weeks to prepare and lit up the NFL. He led the NFL in, the the, the, the 49ers led the NFL in passing yards when Jimmy Garoppolo was their, their quarterback for that five-game stretch. That's unbelievable. He went 5-0. He shredded the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. That's really cool. I also really like the receiving core for the 49ers. They upgraded at running back, signing Jarek McKinnon. The, the 49ers upgraded on the offensive line. They signed a new center, Weston Richburg. They drafted Mike McGlinchey, the new tackle. And they have a solid defense. They have two guys I want you to watch on defense, Adrian Colbert and Akilah Witherspoon. All in all, I see the 49ers going 9-7. and seven. That's a very reasonable. If they take care of business, the 49ers should have a 9-7 and seven season. What could make the 49ers go from 9-7 and seven to 10-6, and six, maybe 11-5, and five, is if they can do this. If the 49ers can beat the Broncos, or if the 49ers can take advantage of the Rams resting their starters in week 17, 9 and 7 becomes 10 and 6. And there's a stretch. You know, the 49ers play the Vikings, the Packers, the Chargers, and the Chiefs. I have all four of those teams being playoff teams this year. If the Viking if the 49ers can steal a win versus a playoff team like that, they could potentially make the playoffs. They're right on the cusp. I think they just missed the playoffs. I think the 49ers are going to go 9-7. and seven. If I'm a 49er fan, have lowered expectations, guard your heart. I think next year, the year after, is when you can really expect the playoffs and really significant success from the 49ers. People forget the 49ers are in year two of their rebuild. They're a really good team. They're not there yet. They're not the 
Vikings. They're not the Eagles. They're not the Saints. They're close, but they still have a couple more pieces I think they need to add before they're a Super Bowl contender. I like the 49ers. I think they're 9-7, and seven, second in the NFC West, but they're still rebuilding. Give them some time. Be patient with the 49ers. That's my, that's my thought. I think 9-7 and seven is a very reasonable prediction for the 49ers season. I, I predict the Seahawks going 6-10. and 10. Uh, I, I think that's, that's honestly really generous. They could go 5-11 and 11 pretty easily. It's pretty simple. The Seahawks are rebuilding. They, are, they got rid of Richard Sherman. They got rid of Michael Bennett. They got rid of Jimmy Graham, Cliff Averill. Russell Wilson is really the only reason to watch the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson led the Seahawks in rushing last year. That's atrocious. Part of that is because their offensive line is terrible. Part of that is because they didn't have a running back last year. They just drafted Rashad Penny, the running back out of San Diego State. I like him. He's good. He has a lot of mileage on him. He ran for over 2,000 yards last year in college, um, but he runs really hard. I would be excited for the Seahawks with Rashad Penny. Another interesting thing is that the Seahawks are finally, finally investing in their offensive line. They brought, uh, they, they signed their left tackle, Dwayne Brown, to a long-term deal. They signed their center, Justin Britt. So now the, the Seahawks have two legitimate starters on defense. They need to find three other starters, but that's great. They, they finally have a little, bit, like a little bit of progress on the offensive line. Not much. The Seahawks' offensive line is still atrocious and awful. It's going to cripple the Seahawks, but they, they're making progress. They're on the right track. Another interesting thing is that the Seahawks fired their offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel. They brought in, in fact, six new assistants uh, for their team. They fired almost everybody but Pete Carroll last year. They jettisoned a lot of veterans. I think that was a smart move. This offseason was pretty controversial for the Seahawks. They got rid of the Legion of Boom. They got rid of all their old stars. And uh, it was an ugly divorce, but I think ultimately a very good move. They're better long-term because of it. My, my kind of assessment of Pete Carroll is he works better with younger players. He has this thing where he preaches competition. He always talks about, we want to come out and be competitive. That's our thing. And I think that, frankly, just works better with younger players and veterans. If you tell a veteran, hey, go hit that guy as hard as you can, he goes, my ankle hurts. I'm tired. <laughs> I don't think, I think if you're going to preach competition, do it to a young 23, 24-year-old guy who's got a lot of energy, ready to go. Some naiveness helps. Um, but I wouldn't discount Russell Wilson. I think the Seattle Seahawks are going to go 6-10, and 10, possibly 5-11. and 11. They're going to be third in the NFC West regardless. But um, I, I do like where the Seahawks are headed eventually. They're just not there yet. This is a, re- a rebuilding year, and I think Russell Wilson's going to have to carry them to 6-10. and 10. I'm not excited. The Seahawks, they're competitive. They have some new life. They have some new energy in that locker room, but that's it. That's not a lot of talent. That's just energy. Energy does not equal wins. That just has some excitement and something to look forward to down the road. So Seahawks are rebuilding. They're going to go 6-10, and 10, and Russell Wilson's going to still run for his life this year. The poor guy is going to carry the team again this year. Finally, we have the Arizona Cardinals. I predict the Arizona Cardinals going 3-13. and 13. Uh, They drafted... The interesting storyline for the for, uh, for the Cardinals this year was they drafted Josh Rosen, the quarterback from UCLA, in the NFL draft. Uh, they also signed Sam Bradford. Long-term, Josh Rosen is their guy. They love Josh Rosen. He's kind of a football-obsessed workaholic. That's great. That's awesome. I think week one starting will be Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford will, will be their quarterback... They, they want to take their time with Josh Rosen. They don't want to throw him to the wolves just yet. They want to be absolutely sure he's ready. The Cardinals are rebuilding. They have a new head coach, Steve Wilkes. They're switching defensive schemes from a 3-4 to a 4-3. Um, but the one notable thing they added to their coaching staff, here's what I like about the Cardinals. 
I love their offensive coordinator, Mike McCoy. Mike McCoy was fired as the offensive coordinator in Denver last year. I think he was unjustly fired. Mike McCoy didn't get a fair shake. You got to realize Mike McCoy was trying to win football games when his quarterbacks were Trevor Simeon, Brock Osweiler, and Paxton Lynch. That's atrocious. That's awful. And so I think Mike McCoy was treated unfairly. He was fired from the Broncos and never really got given a fair shake. Um, The one thing I love on the offensive side of the ball for the Cardinals is they drafted Christian Kirk, a rookie wide receiver from Texas A&M. That's great. He's going to have the veteran wide receiver, Larry Fitzgerald, kind of mentor him, help him going. I think him and Josh Rosen are going to be a really exciting tandem down the road. Here's the big concern for the Cardinals. The Cardinals lost four starters on defense. The Cardinals lost Carlos Dansby, Tremont Williams, Tyvon Branch, and Tyron Matthew. That's not good. Uh, So even though the Cardinals are not terrible, they're rebuilding. Unfortunately, um, in fact, I think the Cardinals, they're not a bad roster on paper. They're, they're a solid team. But this year, the Cardinals play the Rams twice. They play the Falcons, the Panthers, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Vikings, the Broncos, and the 49ers twice. They're going to get annihilated in those games. And so that is why I predict the Cardinals going 3-13, and finishing last in the NFC West. I like them. They're, they're making progress. Remember, Peyton Manning in his first season went 3-13 and for the Indianapolis Colts. I think Josh Rosen is a very similar guy to Peyton Manning. I think Josh Rosen is the guy. He, I, I think I would prefer Sam Darnold over Josh Rosen, but man, I love what Josh Rosen is doing. Again, the word is football-obsessed workaholic. That is Josh Rosen in a nutshell. He just loves the game of football. He doesn't care about girls. doesn't care about money. He just wants to win football games. That is all he's invested in, and he's determined to show everybody, hey, Baker Mayfield was a mistake with a number one overall pick. I think I think Josh Rosen has that deep in his mind. I think Josh Rosen is the guy long-term, a Dan Marino-type quarterback um, that's going to really kill it in the NFL. So I'm excited for the Cardinals. I think they're going to struggle this year, but down the road, the Cardinals are going to look really good. And, uh, you know, I, I said Calvin Ridley could be the offensive rookie of the year in the NFL. It very well could be Josh Rosen as well. Josh Rosen is going to light up the NFL. Uh, it's just a matter of when. Is it going to be sooner or later? I like the Cardinals. They're going to be 3-13 and 13 this year, but long-term, I feel more excited about the Cardinals than I do about the Bears. The Cardinals are headed in the right direction. I, I really believe in Josh Rosen. So again, I want to repeat, I have the NFC West working out like this. I believe the Rams are going to go 12-4. and four. They should potentially win the Super Bowl. They have put all the chips on the table. They are going for it. The Rams, I predict, or sorry, excuse me, the 49ers, I predict, going 9-7, and seven, finishing second in the NFC West, they're a bubble playoff team. I don't think they are a playoff team, but they're a playoff hopeful. They want to get there. They're just not there yet. The Seahawks are going to go 6-10. and 10. They're rebuilding. And again, the Cardinals are going to go 3-13. and 13. They're rebuilding as well. You know, it's, it's very possible the Cardinals, you know, add a win to them, take a loss away from the Seahawks. It's, it's possible the Cardinals are third in this division. I, I don't think very highly of the Seahawks. I think more, I think the roster for the Cardinals is actually better. I just love Russell Wilson. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback, so it's hard to bet against the Seahawks. You know what I'm saying? But I I really like what they're doing. And uh, that's how I see the NFC West working out. Okay, I need water. I need food. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, I'm going to take you through the the AFC uh, conference. I'm going to talk about the Patriots. I'm going to tell you why I think the Titans are not going to make the playoffs. I believe in the Colts. The Jaguars are going to go 8-8. And and I want to tell you why down the road. So that's coming up next. I'm going to take a short break. My name is Zach Schallner. This is Strong Opinion Sports. I will be right back. All right, I am back. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Strong Opinion Sports. 
Um, I gotta before I move on to the AFC, I just gotta say real quick. I was super hungry. My stomach is grumbling. I went and got some food. And um, in the last six months, I finally started eating Wendy's for the first time. Wendy's is so I underrated that my entire life. Like it is so good. If you have Wendy's burger and then you go to eat a burger at McDonald's, it's just not even the same. I don't know how you can go from. Once I've had Wendy's, I can't ever go back to McDonald's. McDonald's is just trash now in comparison to Wendy's. Wendy's is so oh, it's so much better. I want to now shift to the AFC. Um, now that I've given you my my take on burgers and food, um, <laughs> I predict the New England Patriots going eleven and five. There are some things that I I have legitimate questions about the Patriots, and there are also some things that people keep telling me are things I need to worry about with the Patriots. That I I just don't care. I don't think they're legitimate concerns. So the first real legitimate concern for the Patriots is their offensive line. They downgraded their offensive line. There's no way around it. They lost Nate Solder, their left tackle, and uh, they replaced him with a rookie, Isaiah Wynn from Georgia, and Trent Brown, a tackle from the 49ers. Neither combined are probably as good as Nate Solder. So I, it's just you can't get around it. The Patriots downgraded their offensive line. However, I think they'll be okay. One thing that is not a legitimate concern, people are saying that the wide receiving core for the Patriots isn't very good, and that's a real concern. Uh, have you ever watched the Patriots, like, ever? They win consistently with nobodies and with a lot of average guys at wide receiver. They'll be okay. They did lose Brandon Cooks. That's not great, but they still have Chris Hogan, Philip Dorsett. They signed Eric Decker a couple days ago, and they have Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson is, I think, going to have a breakout year. He's a fantastic receiver. Um, he's Excuse me. He's never been fantastic. I think this year is going to be a year he's going to shine. I've watched some videos of him in training camp. They think he's a difference maker this year, and I think he could have a breakout year for the Patriots. Another one that another guy receiver that people are concerned about is Julian Edelman. <clears throat> Julian Edelman is kind of Tom Brady's safety blanket. He's um, he's who Julian Edelman's who Tom Brady turns to on third and four, third and three, third and eight. He's Tom Brady's go-to guy. Julian Edelman will be out the first four weeks of the NFL season with a four-game suspension. I I think this is actually a blessing in disguise. I don't think it's as bad as people realize. First of all, the Patriots are going to start two and two, if not worse. Um, they play the Texans and the Jaguars for their first two games. The Patriots are at least going to start 0-2. Whether they have Julian Edelman or not, their offensive line needs time to gel and get better, and they're going to struggle early against the Texans and the Jaguars. The reason why I think Julian Edelman being suspended, the reason why the Julian Edelman suspension could be a blessing in disguise, is you got to remember Julian Edelman is coming off of an ACL injury, and giving him a couple more weeks to prepare and you know, re-heal himself, that's that's really not that bad. I think it's a good thing. But the other thing is this, in week five, the Patriots are going to get a boost. So weeks one through four, when you look at film, are no longer going to be a proper representation of the Patriots film. When you look at film of the Patriots week one through four, that's not really what their team is going to look like the rest of the season. So that's an advantage to them later down the road is when people watch film, they go, oh, uh, now they have Julian Edelman. Things are going to change a little bit. So that's really, really good. All in all, I think the Patriots have a very typical receiving core of the Patriots. There's not a lot of talent, but there's not really that bad. They also upgraded at the running back position. They let Deion Lewis go to the Titans, and they drafted. The Patriots drafted Sony Michelle, the running back from Georgia. Remember, Sony Michelle and, and Deion Lewis have similar skills. I think that Sony Michelle has a bigger frame, and people say that he's more durable. So I think they upgraded at running back. They, have, they made some defensive upgrades. They added Adrian Claiborne from the Falcons. And remember, Dante Hightower, the linebacker for the Patriots, is returning from an injury. That's great. I think the Patriots are a solid team. Here's another thing you should not worry about if you're a Patriots fan. The offseason drama. 
Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick. The Cassius Mars comments. Cassius Mars said that the Patriots didn't matter. I uh, said that the Patriots weren't any fun to play for. Let me be clear. I have never heard of Cassius Mars until he spoke out against the Patriots. I don't think this is a problem. I, I, I really want to say the Patriots are professionals. They can put all the offseason drama behind them and get work done. For the Patriots in their organization, it's all about winning football games. If you're not here to take your job seriously, they don't want you in New England. And so I, I really am not concerned with any of the offseason drama the Patriots had to deal with. I, I really think the season's going to start pretty ugly for the Patriots. They're going to at least start 0-2, um, but ultimately they're going to figure it out. they got to really figure out the offensive line. That'll take time. they got to figure out their defense, but that will take time. So again, they're going to start ugly kind of like they did last year, but ultimately the Patriots will end up 11-5, first in the AFC East, which is a weak division. And you never know. They're a team that could get hot at the end and make it all the way to the Super Bowl. I don't know. I mean, they're going to have to play the Texans in the playoffs, probably the Steelers. It's possible they make it work and get all the way back. I mean, it's it's not... You never want to count out the Patriots when they're in the playoffs. They're going to get to the playoffs, and what happens from there, nobody knows. But it's still Tom Brady, it's still Bill Belichick, and it's still the New England Patriots. They will go 11-5, and win their division. Okay. I want to move to the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins, I predict going seven and nine. They will be second in the AFC East. It's very simple for the Dolphins. Their season revolves around their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. They're a mediocre team. Their only interesting storyline is Ryan Tannehill. The Dolphins believe in him. The Dolphins believe Ryan Tannehill is their guy long term. If you remember in the draft, they had a chance to trade to trade up and go get Josh Rosen. They decided not to. Even though the Dolphins loved Josh Rosen, they didn't take a chance to go trade up for him. They committed to Ryan Tannehill. That's interesting. Now, last year, the Dolphins, when Ryan Tannehill got hurt, Ryan Tannehill got hurt, he was out for the season. The Dolphins went out and got Jay Cutler. The reason why they did that is the Dolphins felt like they were really good and they felt like they were going to make the playoffs. That's very telling. Now, I like Ryan Tannehill. I think I like Ryan Tannehill a lot more than most people like Ryan Tannehill. I think he's... Solid. He's not good enough for me to say they're going to go thirteen and three, um, but seven and nine could become nine and seven, could become maybe ten and six. I don't know. But the, the other storyline for the Dolphins, their quarterback needs to improve. Ryan Tannehill needs to show he belongs. The other thought is that Adam Gase is sixteen and seventeen. The Dolphins head coach has a losing record in the NFL with the Dolphins. That's not good. So this season is a must-win year for the Miami Dolphins. Their key is Tannehill. Uh, and, and, you know, Adam Gase says that last year when Ryan Tannehill was hurt, he still stuck around. He engaged heavily in the offense. He watched a lot of film. And so maybe Ryan Tannehill got way better mentally. I don't know. Time will tell. Um, but I do predict a hot start for the Dolphins. The Dolphins will start off 4-2 and two and then slide later in the year as the season gets tougher. So, again, I think the only notable athletes for the Dolphins are obviously Ryan Tannehill, their running back Kenyon Drake, and their rookie defensive back Minka Fitzpatrick. Ultimately, I see the Dolphins going seven and nine, seven and nine. I might have said nine and seven. I want to repeat. I see the Dolphins going seven and nine. They will miss the playoffs and be second in the AFC East. All right. The Buffalo Bills. Um, I predict the Buffalo Bills going 13 and three and finishing third in the AFC East. There's, they downgraded a quarterback. I mean, there's no way around it. The Buffalo Bills downgraded at quarterback. They had Tyrod Taylor last year. They traded him away to the Browns. And I, as much as I, I think that Josh Allen could have a future, Josh Allen's not their guy right now. Right now they have AJ McCarron, Nathan Peterman, and again, Josh Allen. And regardless how you put it, 
Tyrod Taylor is better than all three of them. And so the Bills definitely downgraded. Now, maybe there's hope that down the road, Josh Allen will improve to be much better than Tyrod Taylor. That's very possible. But for now in 2018, the Bills have downgraded at quarterback and they're going to suffer because of it. Now they play the Jets in week 10 and week 17. Remember, Sam Darnold was drafted to the Jets. So we potentially could see in week 10 and 17, Josh Allen matchup against Sam Darnold, two rookie quarterbacks. In these matchups, I pick Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold will beat the Bills. Um, And it's really interesting. I hope that Josh Allen sits and learns. I really, really don't want to see the Bills try to force Josh Allen into the starting lineup too soon. That would be really bad. I think patience is key for Josh Allen. They have a solid defense, but not one I really believe in. Um, The problem is that I I see the Bills running into problems. They have an okay defense, better than worse, but definitely not great. And they don't have a good quarterback. They have a very below average quarterback situation. And they play the Packers, the Vikings, the Bills play the Texans, the Chargers, the Patriots twice, and the Bills have to play the Dolphins twice, who have a better quarterback. That is why I see the Buffalo Bills going 3-13 and and finishing third in the AFC East. My keys are jingling around. Really annoying. Um, the last thing I want to talk about in the AFC East is the New York Jets. I predict the New York Jets going 2-14. and 14. It's going to be a brutal season. They play the Dolphins, the Jaguars, the Colts, the Broncos, the Vikings, the Patriots twice, the Texans, the Titans, the Packers. That's a brutal schedule. Not to mention their, raffle, their roster is awful. I, I really initially thought that 2-14 and 14 might be too harsh for the Jets. I don't think so. Their, their roster sucks. Their schedule is really tough. It's not good for them. The Jets are rebuilding. Now, they did get Sam Darnold. That's awesome. They got step one of their rebuild done, but they have a lot of work to go. It's interesting if you compare the Jets and the Browns. The Jets and the Browns both had top picks. They drafted quarterbacks. The Browns invested everywhere else. They got a ton of... They, I mean, if you're building a house, what the Browns did is the Browns went and got not just a foundation. They remodeled the kitchen. They remodeled the bathrooms. They built some new bedrooms. If the Jets were building a house, all they did was get the foundation, Sam Darnold. And so even though I think Sam Darnold is the best quarterback long-term, this year is going to be really ugly for the New York Jets. Jets fans need to have patience. Sam Darnold will be the bright spot on a really bad season, but your expectations need to be significantly lowered for the Jets. Sam Darnold is going to struggle. He's going to be ugly at times. He's going to develop. Give him time, but be patient with Sam Darnold. I really would hate if the Jets turned on their quarterback, Sam Darnold. He's the guy. You just got to be patient and give it time. He doesn't have a number one wide receiver. As much as I love Terrell Pryor, he's a converted quarterback. He's not a number one wide receiver in the NFL. The Jets are going to struggle early. They could win games later. I want to remind you of something. The Oakland Raiders, when they had Derek Carr in his rookie year, Derek Carr's rookie year, the Oakland Raiders started 0-10. It was awful. It was ugly. They finished 3-13. They figured out how to win towards the end of the season because Derek Carr improved. I think you could see a similar situation with the Jets. Just for the love of God, please, if you're a Jets fan, please be patient. Sam Darnold is your guy. You just got to give him time to develop. I'm really curious, actually, if Todd Bowles, the head coach for the Jets, is able to keep his job at the end of the year. Because you might see a trend. We've seen recently that you know the Rams brought in Sean McVay for Jared Goff's second year to help him get better. And the Bears this year brought in Matt Nagy, an offensive-minded coach, to help a young quarterback. Maybe the Jets will decide hey, Todd Bowles is not winning games, and we want to get an offensive-minded head coach that can help develop our young quarterback. That could happen at the end of the year. It's very possible Todd Bowles is fired by the Jets this season. I see the Jets going 2-14. and 14. 
It's not the end of the world. It's going to be okay. There, you just need to lower expectations if you're a Browns, if you're a, a Jets fan. The Jets are rebuilding, and they got their first step. They got Sam Darnold, but they still have a lot of work to go to improve their roster. And Sam Darnold needs to get a lot better. I like him, but he's he's my favorite quarterback in this draft class. But he still has a lot of improving to do before he's a top-notch NFL quarterback. Again, the Jets will go two and fourteen and finish last in the AFC East. So. That's how I kind of see the AFC East working out. I see the Patriots going 11-5, and five, finishing first in the AFC East. It's going to be an ugly start, but come on. It's the Patriots. It's Tom Brady. It's Will Belichick. They're going to be okay. The Dolphins are going to finish second in the, finish second in the AFC East. They're going to be 7-9. and nine. Uh, My only question with them is how good is Ryan Tannehill? Is he actually a solid quarterback or is he, uh, is he trash? I mean, <laughs> quite frankly, let's be honest. The Bills are going to go 13-3. and three. They downgraded at quarterback. If A.J. McCarron is their starting quarterback, he's limited, and I don't like anybody else to have in 2018 either. The Jets are going to go 2-14. and 14. I really hope people have patience for Sam Darnold. He is your guy. Your team just sucks. Your roster sucks. You have a defensive-minded head coach. It's going to be ugly in New York, but you've got to have patience. Sam Darnold is your franchise quarterback. Just be willing to have patience and give it time. Okay. I want to now shift to the AFC South. I predict the Houston Texans are going to finish 11-5 and and first in the AFC South. I love Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, their quarterback, is entering his second year in the NFL. He's coming off of an injury. You got to remember last year that Deshaun Watson had 19 touchdown passes in just seven games last year. That's ridiculous. That's unheard of. And so I I think that, A, the Texans are going to take a big step forward because of that. You also got to remember the Texans lost 13 starters last year. 13 starters. There's only 22 on an NFL football team, so that's pretty unbelievable. The Texans were able to, uh, I guess, not not really. They struggled last year because they had so many injuries. Now, on paper, barring no injuries, on paper, the Texans are one of the most talented rosters in the entire NFL. The problem is their offensive line stinks. Uh, Some of that is because of, there's no excuse, really. Their offensive line sucks. And I would think that maybe, hopefully, Deshaun Watson can disguise that a little bit because he's so mobile and able to run around. Um, but it's, it's just true. Like, I don't want Deshaun Watson running around a lot. He just tore his ACL, and their offensive line with the Texans is a very big concern. If they make it to the playoffs, of all the playoff teams in the NFL, the Texans will have by far the worst offensive line in the entire playoffs. Now, they do have one of the top three, probably top four or five wide receivers in the NFL. I like DeAndre Hopkins. I would take Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, and Odell Beckham Jr. over him. But I do, I like DeAndre Hopkins a lot. He doesn't get hurt. He's pretty consistent. He works hard. I like him a lot. The question with the, the Texans this year is, can J.J. Watt stay healthy? I mean, injuries, man. Injuries have plagued the Texans for the last couple of years. This John Watson, J.J. Watt, everybody seems to get hurt. And so I really hope that J.J. Watt can stay healthy if he can. He could be defensive player of the year. We don't know. But what I do know is that Davian Clowney, the defensive end for the Texans, needs help. If you don't have J.J. Watt and Marcel Derry, or Whitney Marcellus who got hurt last year, if you don't have those two guys there, you can double-team Jadavian Clowney, and he's not effective at all. So to have a consistent pass rush, the Texans need to have J.J. Watt healthy. Their secondary got better. They signed Aaron Colvin, the corner out of their rival Jacksonville Jaguars. Aaron Colvin's going to be an interesting story for the uh, t- Tennessee, what am I saying? The Houston Texans. Aaron Colvin is new to the Texans. The reason why he's interesting is he's never been a starting corner before. He's always been the third corner on a depth chart that comes on to guard the third receiver in only nickel sets. Now you're going to move Aaron Colvin outside to see if he can really compete and be a number one corner in this league. It's going to be an interesting storyline. 
So on paper, it's all good. On paper, Deshaun Watson's back. J.J. Watt is back. They upgraded their defense. Their offensive line still sucks, but it's interesting. The only question is, can they avoid injuries? If the Texans can avoid injuries, they will be 11-5 and and first in the AFC South. They're a playoff team. They have the worst offensive line in the playoffs, but they could still make it work. I'm excited for the Texans. I see them going 11-5 and as long as they can avoid injuries. Okay. Uh, The Indianapolis Colts. I predict the Indianapolis Colts are going to go 10 and 6. Andrew Luck is back. Yes. Thank you. It's fantastic. Last year, the Colts gave up 56 sacks, the most in the entire NFL. That's a concern. You remember, Andrew Luck hasn't played in like 500 and something days. And so you really got to protect your quarterback. Part of the why they were so bad last year is because their backup quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, just held the ball forever. Didn't know the offense very well. He was kind of left on an island doing his own thing. Um, But they did really work hard to improve their offensive line. The Colts drafted Quinton Nelson uh, in the first round of the NFL draft. In the second round, they drafted Braden Smith. Great. The Colts are heavily investing in their offensive line. They do have some things I like. They have 2I Hilton, a four-time Pro Bowl wide receiver. The Colts have Jack Doyle, a Pro Bowl tight end. And what is interesting is the Colts are switching from a 3-4 defensive scheme to a 4-3 defensive scheme. Normally, that is indicative of a team that is rebuilding. Switching their scheme, learning new stuff, that's tough. That means they're going to have four down linemen instead of three. What's interesting, though, is that the Colts drafted really heavily to support their defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus. Matt Eberflus, weird name. I love him. Seems like a cool guy. Um, but he's changing the defense, and they supported him. The Colts drafted two defensive ends. Two inside linebackers, one outside linebacker. They also went on and drafted two running backs and two wide receivers. It's pretty clear the Colts are still rebuilding, but they have Andrew Luck. People forget Andrew Luck took the Colts in 2014 to the AFC Championship game. He overpassed everybody's expectations. I don't understand why people don't believe more in Andrew Luck. I think Andrew Luck can get this team to 10 wins. I really do. Even though they're rebuilding, even though they're ugly, I think this team is good enough to help Andrew Luck get to 10 wins. You give him even more support, he could win a Super Bowl. I think Andrew Luck is fantastic. He's underrated. People don't believe him enough. People are saying that the Colts are going to finish last in the AFC South. Wrong, wrong, wrong. I believe in Andrew Luck. You do or you don't, I do. And I think that's why the Colts go 10-6 and and finish second in the AFC South. Andrew Luck is back. All right. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I predict the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to go 8-8 eight and eight and finish third in the AFC South. I, I know that might make a lot of people angry. 8-8 eight and eight's not a great season. But you got to remember, the Jacksonville Jaguars only won 10 games last year. And now their division is better. Now the Titans were a playoff team last year. Deshaun Watson's coming back. Andrew Luck is coming back. Are you saying 10-2 couldn't become 8-8? Eight and 10-6 eight, couldn't become 8-8 eight and eight very simply? I just think that you it's very ridiculous for people to think it's absurd. When people when I say eight and eight, people go, Oh, what are you talking about? They're gonna lose two more games than they did last year. That's pretty reasonable. That makes sense to me. Their division's tougher. They had a really good season, so their schedule's harder. I, I just I don't know how you can think that's so crazy and ridiculous. Remember, their quarterback's incredibly limited. I like the defense. I really like the defense for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but they played a really light schedule last year. They played bad quarterbacks. They dominated people that weren't very good. And, and, and this year, their schedule's tough, and their quarterback still isn't very good. Their quarterback is still Blake Bortles. I like Blake Bortles. But I want to remind you guys of something. Last year, in the AFC Championship game, 
the Jacksonville Jaguars had chances to put the Patriots out of their misery. They had chances to finish the Patriots, and Blake Bortles could not convert third downs. I don't hate Blake Bortles, but he's a limited quarterback. And that's not going to work when you're playing teams like the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Panthers, the Patriots, the Texans, the with Deshaun Watson, the Colts with Andrew Luck. There's not a lot of hope for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars this year. They're really, they're going to struggle. Um, and I, I think that the AFC South is just a tougher division this year. And, you know, Deshaun Watson's back. Andrew Luck is back. They're going to struggle at times. The Jaguars are going to struggle at times this season. To say they're going to go from 10 wins to 8 wins isn't that, it's a two-game slide. That shouldn't be that controversial. They weren't that great to begin with. They beat the Steelers. Awesome, congratulations, but it shouldn't be this giant revelation. I don't know that the Jaguars are ever that good to begin with, and so I'm, I'm pretty skeptical. I think the Jaguars are going to go 8-8 eight and eight and just miss the playoffs. The Jaguars will go 8-8, eight and eight, finish third in the AFC South, and not make the playoffs. Okay, now I want to talk about the Titans. Man, the AFC South is incredibly, incredibly competitive. You know, I, I see the Tennessee Titans going 7-9 and nine this year. They have a new head coach, Mike Vrabel, who is the former Patriots linebacker coach. And they brought in a new offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur, from, from the LA Rams. Marcus Mariota, that is what this entire season revolves around. That is who needs to be very productive for the Tennessee Titans. Marcus Mariota is their quarterback. There's some things you need to know about Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota has never played, he's entering his fourth season, he's never played all 16 games of an NFL season. And Marcus Mariota is coming off of his worst season to record. He had 13 touchdowns and 15 interceptions last year. That's not great. The jury's still out on Marcus Mariota. I'm not a believer. There are people that are. They have a good argument too. I understand. I understand when people don't believe in Marcus Mariota. I also understand why people would believe in Marcus Mariota. He's shown flashes of success. And he's shown a lot of flashes of really, really struggling. Um, You know, Marcus Mariota's contract expires at the end of this season. And it's going to be pretty interesting to see, like, if he struggles, if he's awful, they're probably not going to bring him back. If he just has an average year like he did last year, what do you do? Do you give him a lot of money? Do not? I don't know what the Titans do. They're kind of at an impasse right now with Marcus Mariota, and uh, he's got to succeed. Now, I think their new offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur, has the right idea for Marcus Mariota. You could compare the Titans to the Carolina Panthers. Right now, the Carolina Panthers think they're going to change their quarterback and make him do a bunch of different stuff he's never done before. I don't think that's the right approach. I like what the Titans are doing. The Titans have a game plan to build around Marcus Mariota. Use his strengths. What is Marcus Mariota good at, and how can we get the most out of him? That is why I think the Titans could be somewhat successful this year. But I still think they're 7-9. and nine. I like them. I don't love them. Um, and I really... Uh, my final concern with the Titans is this. They got two players from the Patriots. They signed Deion Lewis, a running back, to a... Five-year deal worth $61 million. So that, excuse me, that's Malcolm Butler. They signed Malcolm Butler, the defensive back from the Patriots, to a five-year deal worth $61 million. And they signed Deion Lewis, the Patriots' former running back, to a four-year deal worth $19.8 million. Anytime a player leaves the Patriots, I'm really skeptical. Because there's a reason the Patriots are letting them go. There's a reason the Patriots are saying, hey, we don't want you anymore. We'll let another team have you. I think it's pretty likely the Titans overpaid massively for both Malcolm Butler and Deion Lewis. I could be wrong. But time will tell. I'm not a big believer in the Titans. I'm not a big believer in taking players from the Patriots because there's a reason they let them walk. And the final storyline that you need to pay attention to if you are a Titans fan is Corey Davis. Corey Davis was the number five overall pick in 2017 for the Titans. He's a wide receiver. 
And he only had 34 catches and 375 yards last year in his rookie year. He might be a bust. So we need to watch Corey Davis quite closely. Is he going to be successful this year? Is he going to really struggle? I don't know. I mean, Marcus Mariota struggled too last year, so who knows? But Corey Davis, uh, he he very well could be a bust. So I see the Titans going 7-9. and nine. They have a lot of questions. I want to clarify, I know that Marcus Mariota's name is pronounced Mariota. I have t- trouble with it sometimes. I apologize. That's just something I got to work on. I even wrote in my notes, Mario T-A, Mariota. I know that, but um, I, I really think the, Texans are gonna, the Titans are going to struggle this year. The Tennessee Titans are going to go 7-9 and nine and finish last in the AFC South. All right. Um, now, once again, the AFC South is going to work out like this the way I see it. I see the Texans going 11-5. and five. Deshaun Watson's back, but they have a rough offensive line. Um, so I think they're limited, but a great roster. They might falter in the playoffs because of their offensive line. The Colts are going to go 10-6. and six. They have Andrew Luck. That's all I need to say. Andrew Luck is coming back. He's fantastic. The Jaguars are going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. They have a great roster, but their quarterback, sadly, Blake Bortles, is limited, and they play a tougher schedule. They're going to go from 10 wins to 8 wins. That's fine. The Titans are going to go 7-9. and nine. What is Marcus Mariota? Is Marcus Mariota a franchise quarterback? Is he great? Is he not? I don't know. I understand why people believe in him, and I also understand why people don't. So time will tell. Marcus Mariota has a lot to prove this year. Mariota for the Titans. He's got to prove himself that he is an absolutely solid franchise quarterback. If he doesn't this year... His contract is up, and that's something worth watching. We have two divisions left. We're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers next, and then we're going to talk about the AFC West. So first, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I believe the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to go 12-4 and this season. They're going to finish first in the AFC North, and they could win the Super Bowl. It's pretty obvious they have a ton of talent on their offensive side of the ball. The Steelers have Big Ben. The Steelers have Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Le'Veon Bell, and they have an offensive line that had three pro bowlers last year. The Steelers are incredibly talented on offense. They also got a new offensive coordinator that I like. Todd Haley, the offensive coordinator, was fired. He did not get along with their quarterback, Big Ben. So Randy Fitchner, the former quarterback coach for Big Ben, has been promoted to offensive coordinator. That's interesting, but I'm not really concerned. I think the Steelers are going to score a lot of points regardless. The Steelers are going to score points. There's too much talent on that roster not to. Their defense is what is really interesting to me. They're slightly above average. I think they're good enough to win a lot of games. Are they going to struggle in the playoffs? Probably. They got ripped to shreds by the Jacksonville Jaguars last year. And they didn't really improve at all in the offseason. So it's going to be really curious to see how far the Steelers can go. They could be a Super Bowl team if they can score enough points. Their defense is not going to help them as much as I would like. Another thing that's interesting is how well are the Steelers going to pay attention to the finer details? In the playoffs, in in those tough moments, late in the season, can the Pittsburgh Steelers beat a team like the New Orleans Saints, who are really well coached, or the New England Patriots, who are meticulous and pay really close attention to detail? I don't know the Steelers are as detail-oriented as they should be, and that could really hurt the Steelers at the end of this season. So I see the Steelers going 12-4. and They could potentially win the Super Bowl, although uh, time will tell. We'll see what happens. I think the Ravens are going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. The Ravens are going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. That is my prediction. People forget, though, the Ravens were 53 seconds and a 4th and 12 away from making the playoffs last year. Last year, all the Ravens had to do was beat the Bengals, and the Bengals scored a touchdown on 4th and 12 with 53, seven, 53 seconds left, and the Ravens missed the playoffs. Nothing really changed with the Ravens' 
roster, they're still a borderline playoff team. Now, the key to this team is, you know, the, the Ravens, the Ravens, the Ravens defense is solid. The Ravens offensive line is still solid. However, their receiving core is incredibly mediocre. I believe the reason why the Ravens went out and drafted Lamar Jackson this offseason is because they wanted to motivate Joe Flacco. Last year, Joe Flacco was hurt the entire training camp. He had kind of a lackadaisical, lazy training camp, didn't play at all in the preseason. The goal for the Ravens was to motivate Joe Flacco. That's why they drafted Lamar Jackson. They want to put pressure on him. And if Joe Flacco doesn't deliver, they have a guy waiting in the wings they can develop and turn into their franchise quarterback. The reason why, even though I think Joe Flacco is going to be highly motivated this year, the reason why I'm not willing to commit to Joe Flacco having a great year and why I'm not willing to commit to the Ravens going 10-6 and six and having a better year than last year is his receivers suck. Joe Flacco has really bad wide receivers. His strength is his deep ball, and I don't know that he's going to get a lot of chances to complete deep passes because his receivers simply aren't very good. If Joe Flacco's elite, then maybe the Ravens are 10-6 and six or you know 11-5. and five. I doubt that, though, and I predict the Ravens going 8-8 eight and eight and just missing the playoffs. The Bengals. I predict the Bengals going 4-12. and 12. I, I, The Bengals hit a ceiling. Let's be honest. Andy Dalton has maxed out his potential. He's not going to be that great. We all know what he is. Andy Dalton is not as good as people would like him to be. He's a mediocre quarterback who's never going to be great and never going to be elite. This season is the tipping point for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think it's very possible at the end of the year, maybe the Bengals give up on Andy Dalton, draft another quarterback, or trade Andy Dalton away to a team who is just a train wreck and wants some kind of stability at quarterback. Andy Dalton is not an awful quarterback, but he's maybe the 14th, 15th, 16th best quarterback in the NFL, and he's never going to move up. He's never going to get better. He is what he is, and that's it. He's a guy who makes boneheaded mistakes and does not play well in big moments. I... The key, I mean, Andy Dalton needs to just elevate his play. But it seems like the Bengals have no concern with that. They're comfortable just going 7-9 to nine every year and winning just enough to put seats, to fill seats. I, I, ah, it's concerning to me. You know, the Bengals are going to go 4-12 and 12 this year, and the person I would not blame is Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis is a guy who prepares his team year in and year out to win football games. The problem is Marvin Lewis, the Bengals head coach, has simply been stuck with the wrong quarterback. It's very sad. It stinks. Another, you know, little storyline to pay attention to if you're a Bengals fan. Vontas Perfect is a linebacker for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's a guy that I'd want on my team. He hits incredibly hard. He's a little bit dirty. I like that personally. I wouldn't want to play against him, but I would want Vontas Perfect on my team. My question is how does the new hit rule affect Vontas Perfect? Is a guy like that no longer as valuable? I think probably not. I think Vontas Perfect is really going to struggle with the new NFL rules, and I don't think they benefit him at all. He's going to get a lot of penalties this year once he does return from his four-game suspension. Now, A.J. Green is the reason to watch the Bengals. A.J. Green, the wide receiver, is fantastic. That's If you want a reason to watch the Cincinnati Bengals, watch because of A.J. Green. I like A.J. Green. He's entertaining, but that's about it. A.J. Green is really the only reason why you could be entertained by the Bengals at all. The Bengals are going to suck. They're going to go 4-12. and 12. It might be worse. It might be a little better, but it's going to be ugly, and they could potentially be last in their division behind even the Cleveland Browns. And that takes us to the Cleveland Browns. I also predict the Cleveland Browns going 4-12. and 12. Again, I predict the Cleveland Browns going 4-12 and 12 and finishing somewhere around last in the AFC North. Maybe they tie with the Bengals. I don't want to figure out what that looks like. Um, but I hope, I really hope, the Cleveland Browns win six games. 
I just don't know that that's possible. I, I, every time I go through the Browns schedule, I see 4-12 and 12 over and over and over again. Now, the Browns were 0-16 last year, so going 4-12 and 12 is a significant improvement. I like that. I don't know if that's enough for Hugh Jackson to keep his job, um, but I, I really hope he does. I hope they allow him to build something because they are building something. Um, the Browns upgraded every single part of their roster. I really, really like that. You know, they upgraded at receiver. They got Jarvis Landry, Antonio Callaway. They upgraded at quarterback. They got Tyra Taylor. They also drafted Baker Mayfield. The Browns upgraded at running back. They got Nick Chubb and Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde from the 49ers. The problem with the bang, the Browns is that their offensive line got worse. There's no way around it. The offensive line lost Joe Thomas, a Hall of Fame left tackle. You, you just can't, no matter what you do. However, I don't think that the Browns offensive line is as bad as a team like the Texans or the Seahawks. The Browns have a serviceable, off, serviceable offensive line that's not bad. It's fine. It'll work out. I think it's interesting when you compare, I did this earlier in the podcast too, when you compare the Jets and the Browns. You know, the Jets got a quarterback. That's a great foundation. Uh, the Browns also got a quarterback, but if you're building a house, you don't just need a foundation. The Jets got a foundation, but they didn't build a house. The Browns have not only gotten the foundation for the house, they added a bunch of bathrooms. They added, a, they built an entire house and the Browns really have completely transformed their roster. I really, really like what the Browns are doing. So the Browns dramatically improved their team. Um, they have a bunch of solid young players. Jamie Collins is back. They have Denzel Ward, the number four overall pick on defense. And the last thing I want to say about the Browns before I move on is that I really hope they're patient with Baker Mayfield. I love Baker Mayfield. I think he's going to be hopefully a franchise quarterback. And I think the Browns will be patient. But if the owner comes down on Hugh Jackson and says, Hugh Jackson, you got to play Baker Mayfield or I will fire you. I really hope Hugh Jackson sticks with what he believes and does not play Baker Mayfield until he's ready. Because if, if Hugh Jackson is fired because he didn't want to play Baker Mayfield yet, he has a great argument. He can always say, I got fired for doing what I thought was right. I didn't want to play Baker Mayfield too early. And then if Baker Mayfield busts, that's on the owner, not on the head coach. I support Hugh Jackson if he decides he does not want to play Baker Mayfield until he's ready. And if that gets Hugh Jackson fired, I will continue to support Hugh Jackson because he is the one who's right here. Baker Mayfield needs to wait until he's ready to become the Browns starting quarterback. Please, please do not rush that process. You have Tyrod Taylor for a reason. Play Tyrod Taylor as long as it takes. Do not rush the process with Baker Mayfield. So week four, week four with the Raiders and the Browns is an incredibly interesting game. Uh, I think the Browns are competitive again. The Browns are going to go four and twelve. That's not great. Maybe, maybe six and ten. Probably five and eleven. Somewhere in there. But I, I'm excited for the Browns. They are building something. They're building a new culture. They are turning things around. And I think four and twelve is just the beginning for the Browns. They are significantly changing their franchise and clearly turning things upside down and changing their culture. So again, I have the AFC North working out like this. I have the Steelers going twelve and four. They could potentially win the Super Bowl if their defense is good enough and if they can stay out of trouble. I think the Ravens are going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. I, I like Flacco. I don't know that Flacco can play good enough to get them to the playoffs because their receiving core is quite mediocre. But maybe, maybe Lamar Jackson really motivates and inspires Joe Flacco and he plays incredible and they go 10-6 and six or 11-5 rather than 8-8. Eight and eight. The Bengals are going to go 4-12. and 12. Normally they're mediocre. This year the Bengals are worse. I think they hit a tipping point. Andy Dalton just isn't good enough. And I think it's time for the Bengals to move on from Andy Dalton. He's not getting better. He's not improving. It's time for them to be done. And finally, the Browns, I think, are going to go 4-12 and as well. 
I, I think they're going to beat the Bengals. I like them. I think the Browns are really building something. And if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, you should be highly, highly optimistic. The Browns are on the right track. They are building something for next year. I'm so, so excited for the Browns. That leads us to the AFC South. We have one division left, and then I'm going to tell you how the NFL playoffs are going to work out, in my opinion. Uh, I want to talk about the Chargers. The LA Chargers are going to go 12 and 4. I predict the LA Chargers going 12 and 4. I think they have a shot at the Super Bowl. And this is really Philip Rivers' last chance to win a Super Bowl in his career. Now, I love their offense. I love, I love, I love the Chargers offense. They have Keenan, Keenan Allen, a wide receiver, Melvin Gordon, a great running back. But here is the weakness. Here is the problem with the LA Chargers. The Chargers really struggle against the run. I, I love their team. They're great. But when they match up with the Steelers or the Jaguars, they're a really big concern. Can they win that game, that matchup? I, I love, look, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, they're great pass rushers. But can they stop the run? That could be the thorn in their side all season. That could be what takes them from making the playoffs. Uh, I, I think the Chargers make the playoffs regardless. But they could lose in the AFC Championship game to the Jaguars or a team like the Texans or a team like the Steelers because they can run all over the Chargers. I don't like the Chargers' ability to stop the run. I hope they improve there this year. The other thing to talk about the Chargers is their kicking game. Last year, they didn't make the playoffs because their kickers sucked. Now, this year, they brought in Caleb Sturgic and Robert Aguayo to compete for the kicking job. Uh, right now, Robert Aguayo is actually winning the kicking job, but my problem is he looks great in practice. Can Robert Aguayo actually deliver when it matters most? When the game is on the line, do you think he can make any kicks? I don't know. Um, and I wouldn't want to take that risk with a guy like Robert Aguayo. We know Caleb Sturgis has made kicks before. I think the Chargers are 12-4, and four, uh, but their, their kicking game is really concerning. There's no other team I've ever done a preview for where I talked about their kicker. Because normally you don't care. But we all know that it's a sore subject. If you're a Chargers fan, their kicking game needs to improve. And I'm, I'm actually still kind of concerned. I don't know that they're going to get better. I hope so. I, I really hope so. But Robert Aguayo doesn't, he's a bust. I mean, he doesn't really invigorate me with a lot of confidence. And uh, Caleb Sturgis, he's, he's not even winning the job in practice. Like, what do, you, what do you do there? I don't know. So even though the, like, here's the thing. The Chargers have one of the better rosters in the entire NFL. They could win the Super Bowl. They need to figure out their kicking game, and they need to figure out how to stop the run. But they're going to be first in the AFC West, and I think this is Philip Rivers' last chance to win a Super Bowl with the Chargers. The Chiefs. Waterford. I, need, I haven't drank water in a long, long time. I believe in the Chiefs, by the way, quite a lot. I'm really, really excited to see what happens with them. <clears throat> so, the Kansas City Chiefs. I predict the Kansas City Chiefs going 11-5 and five and finishing second in the AFC West. I, uh, there's one reason for that. The reason why I think the Chiefs will go 11-5 and five is Patrick Mahomes. It's quite simple. Patrick Mahomes is their new quarterback. I am willing to take a chance on Patrick Mahomes. I'm willing to stick my neck out and take a risk. I believe in him. The Kansas City Chiefs let go of Alex Smith, their former quarterback. Said, yeah, we're done. I, I keep reading all these articles and stories about Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes needs to play it a little bit safer. He needs to protect the football. He needs to throw less interceptions. Ah, da, 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 beating him over the head. Patrick Mahomes isn't safe enough. No, you're wrong. You are so, so wrong. The reason why the Chiefs chose Patrick Mahomes is because he takes risks. 
They got rid of their safe quarterback. If the Chiefs were concerned about ball security and concerned about not throwing interceptions and concerned about protecting the football, they would have kept Alex Smith. Alex Smith was safe. He didn't take risks. He's gone. They didn't want that. What the Chiefs want is Patrick Mahomes to sling the rock all over the place. The Chiefs head coach Andy Reid was once Brett Favre's quarterback coach. They were really, really close. I think Andy Reid sees something that reminds him of Brett Favre and Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is the most similar quarterback to Brett Favre in years. Not to mention, here's something that's going to really benefit Patrick Mahomes. The new NFL rules, not just Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs, the new NFL rules, the catch rule and the rule on hitting players, that's going to really benefit offense and really benefit a team like the Chiefs that throws the ball downfield a lot. You're going to see guys like Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey. The new catch rules and the new hitting rules really significantly benefit stars like the Kansas City Chiefs. Like don't, I might be a year early, but I'm willing to take a chance. I think Patrick Mahomes is the real deal. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to throw really ugly interceptions. He's also going to light it up. Let me, t- let me ask you something. If you had Case Keenum and Patrick Mahomes, who do you think is more likely to, make a, to lead the NFL in passing this year? It's not Case Keenum. It's not. It could be Patrick Mahomes. It might not be. But I, I believe strongly in Patrick Mahomes. I think the Chiefs are going to go 11-5. and five. They have one of the best rosters in the NFL. And you never know. They could... I don't think they're a Super Bowl team yet, but give him two, three years of Patrick Mahomes. He's going to tighten things up, really clean up his game. He's going to be a great quarterback, and I will put money on it now. I believe in Patrick Mahomes. I don't think Andy Reid is an idiot. He wouldn't get rid of Alex Smith if he didn't believe in Patrick Mahomes. I would bet on the Chiefs. I think they're going to go 11-5. and They're going to make the playoffs, and they're going to be incredibly successful. Their offense will be a ton of fun to watch. The Broncos. Uh, I believe the Broncos are going to go 9-7. and seven. And I don't think 9-7 and seven is a playoff team. That's going to anger a lot of Broncos fans. Here's my deal. Um, the Broncos have a good defense. It's aging, but it's still a good defense. They have Bradley Chubb, terrifying defensive end. They have Von Miller. That's horrifying. If you're a, defense, if you're a quarterback, I don't want to play the Broncos. The problem is pass rushers alone don't win games. They traded away some parts of their secondary this offseason. They got a new pass rusher. That's awesome. But ask J.J. Watt. Do defensive ends, do defensive tackles, do guys who get after the quarterback, does that win games? It doesn't. Quarterbacks win games. And there was no hope in the Texans locker room until they got a great quarterback, Deshaun Watson. J.J. Watt could be incredible, but could be scary all he wants. Until they got a real quarterback, they had no chance to win games. I don't believe in Case Keenum. I'm a Case Keenum doubter. I apologize. He's a great guy. I know Broncos fans are super angry when I say that. And I even like Case Keenum. He's a solid, solid quarterback. He's a solid quarterback. But when you play against Patrick Mahomes, Phillip Rivers, Derek Carr, guys who have way more better arm talent and are honestly, let's be honest, more aggressive, I don't know that Case Keenum can win those types of shootouts. I really don't. Now, last year with the Vikings, Case Keenum had a ton of help. And he struggled against average defenses like the Redskins and the Packers who had nobody healthy. Uh, but the Broncos' schedule is not easy this year. Case Keenum's going to struggle against teams like the Rams, the Texans, the Steelers, the Chargers. He's going to play the Chargers twice, the Chiefs twice. Guess play the Raiders. I mean, I, I, between the 49ers and the Broncos, I think the 49ers have a better quarterback. The Broncos have a better team, but quarterbacks matter, especially this year more than ever with the rule changes. 
I really like Case Keenum. I like Case Keenum better than Andy Dalton. But I think Case Keenum's more Alex Smith than he is, I don't, I don't even Kirk Cousins or, or I don't name it, Matt Ryan. Case Keenum's not the next Matt Ryan. He's a really safe quarterback. He's not going to lose you games, but he's also not going to win you games. And so I don't really, I think the Broncos are mediocre. They're a nine and seven team. They don't make the playoffs. They're third in the AFC West. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe that, maybe Case Keenum plays totally different than we've ever seen before. Maybe he just lights it up, takes a ton of risks, throws the ball over the place. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and I just really, I don't know, like the, the race to the bottom. You know, we see the race to the bottom in the AFC West. Is it going to be the Chargers? Is it going to be the Broncos or the Raiders? The Broncos have a really great defense and an average quarterback. The Raiders have a great quarterback and, and an average defense. And so I, I don't know that, I don't know the Broncos even pass up the Raiders. I really don't know. It's, it's gonna, we're going to find out. Um, and, and Case Keenum's stable. He's not going to lose you games. But they're 9-7 and because Case Keenum isn't going to win you games either. He's just an average, solid quarterback. Middle of the road. And that's awesome, but that doesn't win Super Bowls. Doesn't make the playoffs. The Raiders are 7-9. and nine. That's my prediction. I predict, I predict the Raiders are going to go 7-9 and nine and finish last in the AFC West. This is not because of Derek Carr. I love, I love Derek Carr. I think he's fantastic. And people say that Derek Carr really struggled last year. They're like, oh, is Derek Carr any good? We don't really know if he's a franchise quarterback anymore. He might have gotten overpaid. Oh, guys, 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 guys. You do realize Derek Carr hurt his back last year. So about two weeks ago, I hurt my back wakeboarding. I couldn't even sit down, much less lift my arms and throw a football. So the fact that Derek Carr played through that last year and was pretty dang successful, even though he had a really badly hurt back. That's that's a testament to Derek Carr. It doesn't concern me about Derek Carr. That encourages me about Derek Carr. The fact that he even played with a hurt back. Yes. So Derek Carr will not be the issue this year for the Oakland Raiders. What will be? Soon to be the Las Vegas Raiders. The problem with the Raiders is they have turmoil behind the scenes. You know, First of all, the Raiders are about to move to Vegas. That's not good. That's always a distraction when you're about to move your franchise somewhere else. It's hard. It's kind of turbulent. There's all kinds of little stress and drama. Small things you have to worry about, like where a guy's going to live. What's this? This is moving. That's moving. Yada, yada. That's going to be like a weight over the Raiders franchise. The other thing is this. The Raiders brought in a new head coach, John Gruden. He's on a 10-year deal. And it's pretty clear John Gruden runs things in Oakland. The reason why that's a problem, though, is Reggie McKenzie's a general manager. And it does not seem like Reggie McKenzie and the head coach, John Gruden, are on the same page. Your general manager and your head coach are not working together. Um, they might make it seem like it publicly, but you're telling me Reggie McKenzie has to... He, you're, there's no way John Gruden doesn't get whatever he wants. He has guaranteed he'll be there for 10 years. He has more leverage than the general manager, Reggie McKenzie. And that's not good. That's some ugliness behind the scenes you might not have thought about. Uh, I, I'm concerned about behind-the-scenes stuff with the 49ers. With, excuse me, with the Raiders. With the Raiders. Wrong Bay Area team. The only noteworthy defensive player the Raiders have is Khalil Mack, and Khalil Mack might not even play. So I think the Raiders' defense is atrocious, is scary, is bad. They're not scary in a good way, like scary in a really bad way. They could suck and be awful. We forget the Raiders' secondary is terrible. And they don't have their best defensive player because he's holding out. That's not good. The Broncos could get, you know, the Raiders defense is so bad, the Broncos could eat them alive with Case Keenum. Case Keenum could shred the Raiders. Like, you know that if the Raiders and Broncos play, that should not be a shootout. And it could be because the Raiders defense is just so bad. It's ugly and awful. 
Like, let's let's think about this. Derek Carr with a good coach and a bad defense or Case Keenum with a great defense. Who wins that game? I don't know. Um, but the Raiders are going to leave a lot of people competitive and in games because their secondary is just atrocious. So, and I see the Raiders going seven and nine. They're going to finish second, uh, finish, excuse me, last in the AFC South. And I'm not a big believer in the Raiders. I think they're not, they're not going to do well. Um, they're going to not make the playoffs. And uh, they're year one of building something. The future is bright for the Raiders. I love John Gruden. I'm a huge, I buy into Derek Carr. Derek Carr is the real deal. But there's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of stuff behind the scenes we don't know about. And their defense is really bad. Even with Derek Carr, I don't think the Raiders are going to make the playoffs. They're going to go 7-9 and nine and probably finish last in the AFC West. All right. So the way, again, the, I want to repeat the way I see the AFC West working out. The Chargers will go 12-4. and four. This is their last shot to win a Super Bowl with Phillip Rivers. It could happen. The Chiefs are going to go 11-5. and five. I'm willing to take a chance on Patrick Mahomes. I believe in the quarterback for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. I think they go 11-5. and five. The Broncos are going to go 9-7. and seven. Uh, I love them. I love their defense, but the Broncos are going to be limited by Case Keenum. They're going to lose games they could win because Case Keenum doesn't take a lot of risks. And he's not a big, he's just not, he's not a guy that's going to win you games. He'll, he won't lose you games, but he won't win you games either. The Raiders are going to go seven and nine. They have drama behind the scenes. Reggie McKenzie versus John Gruden, the head coach. Khalil Mack's not there. Their defense sucks. And even though Derek Carr is great, you know, two years ago, Derek Carr should have been the NFL MVP. It's not enough to get their team to the playoffs. The Raiders will go seven and nine and finish last in the AFC West. All right. That's, that's everything I have guys. I, uh, I want to finish now by telling you my playoff situation, how I think the playoffs work out. And that's that. So the, again, in the AFC, these are the six teams that will make the playoffs in the AFC. The first four seeds are the Steelers at 12 and four, the Chargers at 12 and four, the Patriots at 11 and five, and the Texans at 11 and five. Now the wild card teams in the AFC will be the Chiefs at 11 and five and the Colts at 10 and six. Three teams are on the bubble. The Broncos will go nine and seven. They'll be close to the playoffs. The Jaguars will be 8-8, eight and eight, and so will the Ravens. They'll both be close to the playoffs, but just out. No, the Broncos have the best chance of making the playoffs if it's not the Jaguars or, or the Ravens. In the NFC, here's how I see the playoffs working out for this way. I see the Saints going 13-3. and three. They're the number one seed. They're the number one seed in the playoffs for their NFC. The Rams are the number two seed. They're 12-4. and four. The Packers are the third seed. They're 12-4 and four as well. They could be the second seed and get a bye. Bye, who knows. The Eagles are the fourth seed in the NFL playoffs and the NFC division. They are 11 and five in the NFC. The wild card is going to look like this. The Falcons will be 12 and four. They're going to easily make a wild card spot in the playoffs and the Vikings will be 11 and five. The three teams on the bubble in the NFC playoff picture are the Cowboys at 10 and six, the 49ers at nine and seven and the Lions at eight and eight. I think the Cowboys of any team to bump up from on the bubble to into the playoffs. The Cowboys have the best shot. They could leapfrog the Eagles. Maybe the Eagles struggle with their difficult schedule. Um, that, that's what I see happening, man. It's going to be an incredible season in the NFL. I'm so excited. I, it seems like pretty much every team either has a young quarterback to develop or they're trying to build something other than the Seahawks, the Buccaneers, and the Bengals. Those three teams have nothing. But other than that, every team has something to play for this year. And I think it's just going to be a special year. I, I am so, so ecstatic. I'm so excited. My prediction, I think the Saints are going to win the Super Bowl. I think the Saints are the best team in the NFL because of their schedule, because of their roster. They're going to have home field advantage in the playoffs. I think we could see the Saints and the Steelers in the playoffs and I would in the Super Bowl, and I would give the Super Bowl to Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. So again, I repeat, the Saints are going to beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl. That is my final prediction. Peace out. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. You can find the podcast everywhere else you can find podcasts. Find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best 
most interesting clips. Tell your friends about this podcast. Share it on Facebook, on Twitter, whatever it is. Help me grow this podcast by telling your friends about this show. Bam! That's like what? Are we at what? Two hours now? Two hours and probably probably just at two hours. Looking at the timestamp. That's it, guys. Thank you so much. I really tremendously appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. I'm sorry this took so long. I'll be back on Monday. I already have a great podcast mostly prepared for Monday. And I can't wait to share with you guys. Have a great day. Bam, we are done. Bye.